Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, everyone. Before we get into the episode today, we wanted to let you know about a very special opportunity. That's right. We are hiring here at the Command Zone. If you love magic, if you love Commander, if you've ever dreamed of taking your love of those things and turning them into a career, this is your chance. We are currently hiring for the position of Junior Video Editor, which is a entry-level position. Mm -hmm. It requires no experience. It only requires that you're a fast learner, a hard worker, and you love Magic and Commander. If that's you, we would love for you to apply. Go down in the show notes. There will be a job posting there. Just click, upload your cover letter and your resume. One thing I want to say is that you will be, it's not a remote position. You have to be able to come into the office here in Los Angeles, but that doesn't mean you have to live here now. If you get the job, you just have to be willing to relocate. Yeah, working at the command zone has been one of my great joys in life. Everyone here is fantastic, and um, it's really just an incredible opportunity. Again, entry-level position. Don't feel intimidated. If you think this is something you can qualify for, go ahead, check out that link, submit your stuff, and let us know why you should be working here. Yeah, you don't have to have any experience at all. So just go ahead and apply if you think that it sounds fun to work here and that you love the command zone all right have fun everyone can't wait to see those cover letters greetings humans you have entered the command zone your destination for all aspects of elder dragon highlander enjoy your stay What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone Podcast. I'm one of your hosts today, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. We're back. We are back. It is time for part two of the Multicolored Commanders set review for Dominaria United. On this episode, we are going through the s- N. Yeah, N through Z, nice. the second half, but only the commanders from the main set and the commander product. We're saving the box toppers mm-hmm. um, for another episode or two, and then also the uncommon and monocolored commanders we're going to do in their own episode. There's just so many legendary creatures in this set, so many really cool ones that we don't want to skip over any of them, so we're just going to parcel it out over a few videos. Yep, so this is A through, oh no, this is N through Z. The last episode we did was N, A through M, and then the rest are coming up. You'll see it on the channel. Make sure you subscribe, all that good stuff. But before we get <laughs> into it, we got to talk about our sponsors channelfireball.com slash command that's the place to go if you're going to buy magic product especially when it comes to dominaria united sealed product great prices you're shopping from local game stores around the country and the marketplace it's a competitive marketplace where people are vying for your business they're trying to get you the best price they can on singles sealed product and more check it out all you have to do is go to channelfireball.com slash command or enter promo code command at checkout 
and you're buying magic cards anyway you can also support our show while you do so yeah all this dominaria united stuff is available for order right now channel fireball marketplace is a great buying experience and of course Mm -hmm. once you get those cards you want to protect them Ultra Pro is the game accessories company that Jimmy and I trust our own collections to. We have all of our decks in Eclipse Sleeves, in Ultra Pro Satin Towers Myth Collection, some kind of Ultra Pro deck box. We always mm-hmm. play on Ultra Pro playmats. We use Ultra Pro dice. We have Ultra Pro wall scrolls. Ultra Pro makes everything you need to adorn your battlefield and protect your game pieces. If you go to ultrapro.com slash command, that is our affiliate link. And also, it's kind of a new thing. Ultra Pro used to only sell through LGSs and other retail but now they have their own direct to consumer uh, e-commerce site, I guess yeah. you could call it. And one of the great things about that, and of course we encourage people to go to your LGS and support them when you can, but they don't always carry everything Ultra Pro's got. And Ultra Pro also often has great deals on their sites, a lot of big discounts, so you can often you know, find some sales and things like that. So again, ultrapro.com slash command is the place to go to get all that stuff. And the last way and direct way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. We love our patrons. They support the show. We now have exclusive content for them including episodes called turn talk where after extra turns we get to sit down with the players and just discuss what happened in the game you can actually check out one of those episodes for free right now on our youtube channel but if you want to find that exclusive content and more like playing games of spell table with myself josh and people in the office head on over patreon.com slash command zone and we shout out one lucky patron every single episode and so this episode is dedicated Dedicated to to grant mason grant you rock two first names yeah, Mason, that's a good name. Yeah, it's a great name. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. DMU, Dominaria United, Multicolored Commanders, Part Dos. Remember, it's just the rares and mythics from the main set and the commander product. And not the monocolored ones that are coming later. <laughs> okay. Okay. There's so many, we had to split them up. All right, this is N through Z. Let's not waste any time here. We're going to start with Namada Prime Evil Warden. Now, Jimmy and I sort of split these yeah. in two because it is difficult to research all of them for both of us. Um, it's going to be a competition to see who can impress the other the most with yeah. their card So Namada was one that you did, Jimmy. Yep. So go ahead. All right, Namada Prime Evil Warden is two, a black and a green for a 3-4 legendary creature at Tree Folk with reach because it's a tree if a creature an opponent controls would die exile it instead when you do create a 1-1 green sapperling creature token and then it has two activated abilities the first one is green sacrifice a sapperling namada primeval warden gets plus two plus two until end of turn and then for one in the black sacrifice two sapperlings draw a card Okay, so before we get into it, uh, if you are facing off against aristocrat decks or any deck that cares about creatures dying and uh, going to the graveyard, this is the kind of effect you want to basically hose them. Yeah, because it's going to make it so it's hard to recur their stuff because it gets exiled. And also, when they sack their own things, you'll get the, you know, you get sapperlings. Yeah. yeah, lots of sapperlings. Uh, so, obviously, if you're playing a token deck, you've got your typical doubling season parallelized. Primal Vigor is the currently, I think, the most affordable version of all these, but it does affect everyone. Um, and then I think like the more I looked at this sapperling tribal isn't that strong. Uh, sorry to all the sapperling fans out there. <laughs> so I think you actually want to kind of just put in other cards. If you did have Kalidus, then Maskwood Nexus is really good in this deck because it says creatures you control are every creature type. So everything you have is now sapperling. You can pay a green to sack it to buff Namada or to draw some cards. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if you're going to play Namada, it, this is a creature version of Leyline of the Void. Uh, except it's only creatures. 
So Leyline and both uh, Douthy exile everything if it goes to the graveyard. From your opponents only. Yeah, your opponents only. Um, I honestly think the mod that goes better in the Gave, Guru of Spores deck. And this is just my general inclination when it comes to Sapling Tribal. It's just like it's hard to do that much with it. You've already got the cards you know you're going to have, which are the doubling seasons and the parallel lives. But winning with it is a bit of a yawn fest because what are you doing? Board, board wipe, one side of board wipes maybe. Do a lot of creature removal, make a lot of saplings, and then pre- play a Crater Hope Behemoth? Eh, yeah, I mean, it's just good. a normal token strategy. All this one might have a Aristocrat's bent to it, right? Because yeah, you the do does sacrifice outlet. saplings, yeah. For one green mana, which is pretty cheap, but not as cheap as a Phyrexian or a National's Altar. Right. Um, there's also Slime for the Stowaway, which is, I think, for me, the commander to go to when it comes to saplings. Because whenever a sapling you control dies, Slimefoot deals one damage to each opponent and you gain a life. So that becomes a win con in and of itself. Yeah, so. you just get, make enough saps and then sack them and you kind of... It's almost like Zulaport Cutthroat or something at that point, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So Which I'm, you could also have Zulaport and Blood Artist and things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that could be a way to go with it. You could just be playing the mod inside another shell because you wanted to have a Leyline of the Void type strategy. It goes really well in Agave type deck because you're making saplings when you do so. Um, but otherwise, the rates on everything, like one in the black to kill two saplings and draw a card, not so great when you're in black and you could just play any number of other effects that give you for a cheaper. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd rather play Knight's Whisper than ever have to separate. Sure, sacrifice even like Village Rites or something that's like sack one and draw two. Yeah. Uh, it costs you a card, I guess, so you only have one card, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, Skulgari Aristocrats Tokens is not like a groundbreaking revolutionary strategy that's never existed, right? Like this is yeah. a thing. Slimefoot already existed. So I think EDH Rec Slimefoot would give you a lot of the pieces for a deck like this. Yep, yep. So not a, uh, not a super impressive start, but Namada I feel like is one of those cards that is a good utility player because of the exile effect, and you might want to just find it a slot in some other deck that you're playing that just to get a little extra value from tokens or whatever it may be. I mean, the graveyard hosing does make me think it it's might be good in another shell, like you said, Gave or something like that, because it gives you some of the utility you want, makes some tokens, yeah. can sack them at rates that maybe we don't love, but because it also simultaneously kind of turns off certain decks with the graveyard hosing, it might deserve a spot just because of the versatility of that. Yeah, and I could see you not wanting to play Leyland of the Void in Agave deck over, uh, sorry, over uh, Namada. Namada, because Namada is a creature, it gives you more, you know, all the things that you want to do in the Gave deck. Leyline of the Void better than probably most people think, though, that the card is that yeah. card turns I mean, off so many decks. <laughs> these days, you're just playing Dalphy Void Block, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. All right, uh, next up, this one's mine. It is Rat Ratadrabic of, of Urborg. <laughs> this is an interesting one. It is two a white and a black for a 3-3 three, three zombie wizard. It has Vigilance and Ward 2. It says, other zombies you control have Vigilance. And then the interesting part, whenever another legendary creature you control dies, create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's not legendary, and it's a 2-2 black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. Wow. So this is Orzov legendary creatures matter slash copy recursion, I guess. Yeah, someone actually messaged us on Discord and said, do you think this would be good in the Dihada deck? I'm like, oh yeah. Probably. A lot of legendary creatures are dying and you want them to come back, but, you know, as a zombie this time. Yeah, so I think the first step of this process is like, you're going to have to have sack outlets so that you can sacrifice your creatures to yep. get the legendary copies. And I think... Not legendary copies. Sorry, the non-legendary <laughs> copies. Yeah, uh, which is interesting and we'll talk about later. Um, 
So, and I think you want those sack outlets as much as possible to be on legendary creatures that could themselves be recurred, right? So that way, if you kill it or they kill it or there's a board wipe, you get your sack outlets back with everything else and you're right. still kind of going. And there's a whole bunch of legendary creatures in black and white that will allow you to sack things. So there's stuff like Ayara, which you can tap to sacrifice a black creature to draw a card. There's stuff like Ailey, which you can sacrifice creatures to gain life. And then mm. eventually, if you have enough life, you can sack creatures to exile things, kind of uh, anguish on making things. There's th- Those are cool, but they cost mana or they cost tapping. Yeah. So, a little clunky. Yeah, and so I think preferably we like our sock outlets to cost nothing. That way we don't have to leave a bunch of mana open and when things happen. Like if they go to exile everything, I want to be able to sack everything in response so that it does not get exiled. It just dies. and then Right. Um, so Yeheni's a really, really good one because it's a free sack outlet. Gives Yeheni indestructible when you do that. Yeheni kind of gets bigger over the course of the game. Yeah. And a 2-2 zombie version of Yeheni that's non-legendary is not any different, really, than regular <laughs> Yeheni, right? Yeah. Now, Yeheni only cares, only grows when other creatures die that opponents control, but yeah. just just sack a creature, it gets indestructible. I've seen Yeheni get to, like, a 12-12, and every yep. time someone's like, board wipe, it's like, Yeheni's Make like, it indestructible? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And, like, and it has haste, so it just keeps smacking in. And it's just good for, you know, in those emergency situ- situations, they go mm-hmm. to steal your creature or whatever, sack it in response. Uh, Yawgmoth is a really good free sack outlet. You pay a life, sack a creature, put a one, negative one, negative one counter on one creature, and draw a card. Yeah, that's just nuts. Yep. Um, another one is God Eternal Bantu. Now, this is not an activated ability. It's an ETB ability. This is a 5-6 with Menace, but when it enters the battlefield, sacrifice any number of other permanents, then draw that many cards. Could be lands, could be treasures, could be legendary creatures. And the great thing about God Eternal Bantu is if you have another sack out, like let's say Yeheni out, you can mm-hmm. sack it at any time, then uh, Ratadrabic will make the copy, which oh. comes in and you can sacrifice more creatures so it kind of does give you an instant speed sack outlets provided you have another sack outlet which that's is cool interesting. yeah i like that a lot yeah so then of course there are the sack outlets like we would love to have merciless executioner fleshbag marauder in this deck but those are not legendary creatures and i'm gonna say, not saying you wouldn't ever play a card like that but looking for legendary creatures that do what merciless executioner does is yeah. a little bit more difficult because there aren't any that straight up say you know, everybody sacks a creature when this ETBs. Right. But there are ones that kind of say that. There's like Henrika Domnathi, which at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose one that hasn't been chosen. Each player sacrifices a creature is the first one. Uh, okay. So that's kind of an ETB almost. Yeah, you, you go play, play it. it. Go to combat. Right. Yeah. It also can draw you a card and you lose a life. And you can also transform Henrika. We won't get into the backside because it doesn't matter as much. Rankle is very similar to that. So these are two cards that kind of will work a lot like Merciless Executioner. Right. The great thing is they can still sack themselves, come back as tutus. Yeah, I was going to say Henrika is great because you can just sack it, comes back, and you get the effect again. Yeah, to so each player well, sacks a creature. You get right? it the next turn. The next right? turn, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. get two beginnings of combat. But yeah, exactly. So. It, those you, will, you just never have to transform Henrika necessarily right. if you don't want to. And those will just functionally work as Merciless Executioners, basically, right? Yeah. There's something like Anawan, the Rune Sage, which is a little slower, but it's repeatable. It's five mana for a 4-3. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player sacrifices a non-vampire creature. Oh, it's like a Shildred type effect. Yeah, exactly. And again, Anawan could sack itself, come back as a 2-2, and keep that ability on the battlefield, which is really devastating to a lot of decks and a lot of your opponents, right? Like, yeah. Now they've had to sack multiple creatures on the upkeep. Like, that Shieldred effect is just very hard to get around. Yep, yep. I think the sack outlets are going to be very strong because of the legendary creatures that exist in black and white. And then you start looking at legends that you want to recur and copy. And this is weird, 
But you basically are looking for enter the battlefield effects or dies effects, because right. those are effects you can get twice. Yeah, you're going to sack it, it's going to die, and it's going to come back on the battlefield. So both And presumably die again. Yeah. So e- if you get an ETB, you're going to play it, it's going to die, it's going to come back in ETB again. So you're going to get twice as many ETBs and dies triggers, or leaves triggers, which there aren't really any. Ooh. Yeah. But the funny thing is, as you go through and you start looking at the legends for these colors, there's not a ton of ETB or dice triggers on like oh, really? creatures. There are, but it's not as deep as you'd think. Especially because um, you have to, again, you have to find a legendary creature. Right. There's a lot of just regular creatures, yeah. Yeah, because my brain was like, Grey Merchant, this is crazy. Oh. And you're like, oh yeah, Grey Merchant, it's not legendary. That doesn't work. Can't do it. Yeah. So um, the ETB creatures that are really good are stuff like Gaunti. This is one of your favorites, Jimmy. Oh yeah. Um, basically steals the best of the top four of your opponent's library. You can play it. Uh, Anafenza, Kintry Spirit, is whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield, you bolster one. So... Every time you're playing one of these creatures, you'll get to grow your thing a little bit. Not okay. the hugest of effects, but it, it kind of does help. The dice triggers are, there's more of them. There's more good ones. And these are obviously a little bit worse because they don't work as good if you don't have a sacrifice outlet out. Ah, uh, yeah. Because, you know, some things just don't die or they get exiled, they get bounced. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Kokusho's a really good one, right? Oh, like, yeah. Each opponent loses five life when Kokusho dies and you gain... 15 life, basically. Life equal to the life lost this way. So there's only two players, you only gain 10, but yeah. Repeat this a couple of times, yeah, it's pretty devastating. Yeah, if you sack it and then sack the 2-2 that uh, Radrabic makes, that's 10 damage to everybody and you gain 30 life. Jeez. Yeah. So that that can be pretty nuts. That's Uh, a big swing. There's Ao the Dawn Sky, which is the new uh, dragon spirit from the new Kamigawa, because Kokushi is from the original Kamigawa. Mm-hmm. And this is when uh, Ao dies, which is a five mana, five four flyer with vigilance. You look at the top seven cards of your library and put any number of non-land permanent cards with total mana value four or less from among them onto the battlefield. Okay. Yeah. Or you put two one one counters on each permanent you control. That's a creature or vehicle. Both are good, and if you do both twice, you're either going to get right. a number of things out onto the battlefield, which you then may be able to sack and sort of keep doing things, or you just, if your board's big enough, make it bigger. Or do both. It dies, you yeah. find the cards on the battlefield, it comes back, it dies again, then you put the counters on. Yep, exactly. Uh, cool. Alenda the Duskrose is another one. When she dies, you make vam- a number of 1-1 vampires equal to her power. Yeah, and when another point. creature dies, you get to put a plus and plus counter on Alenda. So yeah, cool. so if you can sack things twice, then all of a sudden, you know, you sack this, sack its copy that came out, sack another thing, sack its copy. Yeah. That's four counters on Alenda. Sack Alenda, you know, her copy comes back out. Maybe you can sack a few other things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there, there's less legendary creatures that have enters and dies than you think. So this is actually, like, not as strong as I thought it was going to be. However, there is some combo potential with this card, and anytime you're sort of making non-legendary copies of legendaries or, like, recurring things multiple yeah. times, there's always going to be. Uh, Sidisi Undead Vizier is sort of the best, sort of. It is straight up, like, the best card in the deck. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. <laughs> As the moment I read Sidisi again, I was like, oh, this is the best card in the deck. Yeah, it's nuts. It's five mana for a 4-6 with Death Touch, but it has Exploit, which means when it enters the battlefield, you can sacrifice another creature. And then if you do Exploit when Sidisi comes out, you get to Demonic Tutor. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you can Exploit yourself. So Sidisi can come out, exploit itself dies comes comes back back as a 2-2 you demonic tutor when it comes back as a 2-2 you could exploit itself again double dies so five mana tutor twice and it's sitting in your graveyard and the interesting thing about radadrabic is it doesn't exile the thing which it sort of feels like it should oh okay so let's imagine that sadisi goes and gets reanimate and animate dead and then you and reanimate it tutor twice tutor two more times right yeah then animate dead it tutor two more times so for you know Five, six, seven, eight mana you've tutored effectively four times because two of them had to get you the recursion to keep yeah. But you can win the game almost no problem tutoring four times. Yeah. 
So that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Also, Zadis can just exploit another legendary creature that you want the dice triggers from too. Exactly. So. You know, it doesn't have to exploit itself. Although yeah. you sort of want it in the graveyard so you can reanimate it, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can do like um, I don't know. One of the new ones is uh, Abdul Adrian and animate dead. So Abdul Adrian Posty loves this one. He pulled oh, it from yeah. me the other night, which is Abdul Adrian. You sack it, then you animate dead it. When it enters the battlefield, it exiles animate dead. Sacking it Which again. makes it die. Yeah. Which makes Anime Dead come back, which brings Ab- Abdul back, which you repeat that process and you get infinite amount of 1-1s. Now, they don't have haste, but, you know, that's a two-card combo in these colors that could work. There's, yep. of course, Heliod, Suncrown, Walking Ballista. Mm-hmm. You can do stuff with Nim Deathmantle, Ashnod's Altar. Um, one of the things with Nim Deathmantle and Ashnod's Altar is that you need an effect that is ETB that's strong enough to win you the game. So Kokushu or something would do it. Yep. But if you don't have that, there's like venture into the dungeon stuff that would work. Oh, because you just keep going through the same dungeon and make everyone lose a life. Yeah. So you can do the lose a life or get as many treasures as you want or draw your whole deck. So Borrowin or Nadar, they ETB and venture, venture into the dungeon. Yeah. So if you can infinitely recur them, that could be sort of a win con. Of course, you can always get buried alive with one of the tutors off of uh, Sidisi and put... Um, Phyrexian Devourer and Triskelion in your graveyard and then with one of the other tutors because you're tutoring so much with Sidisi right. you could get Necrotic <laughs> Ooze and that's an infant combo. It's basically listen we could list off all the infinite combos you could get but if you wanted to with Sidisi you can basically combo off the moment you play it with Ratadrabic so that is very powerful. You can also just be sort of more fair get Cabal Coffers and Urborg just have a ton of mana mm-hmm. you know do what we say which is don't go infinite just go a lot <laughs> just cast a lot of things a lot finite yeah so there's there's obviously cdc all on its own is a, is a lot of interesting interactions um and then finally i wanted to talk about another sort of cool interaction in tesa karlov that doubles dies triggers mm-hmm. which counts rat drabic so now when a legendary creature dies you make two copies of it wow now and the, they're not legendary so right. they get to sit by each other yeah now if the first thing that you do that with is tesa then all of a sudden you're going to make four copies of everything. Jeez. Because you'll have two Tasas out. Oh, that's right. Tasa dies and comes back, and then you yeah you get two Tasas. Yeah. Yeah. So if a creature dies now, you double their trigger basically twice. Mm-hmm. Then there's Anointed Procession, which would make double the copies. <laughs> uh, stuff like Luminous Broodmoth that would allow all the stuff to come back. Because again, it does not exile when it dies and makes the 2-2. Right. So if you had Sidisi and Luminous Broodmoth, or if you had Luminous Broodmoth out, you cast Sidisi, it dies. It exploits itself and dies. Gets you a copy. Gets a 2-2. And then Luminous Broodmoth brings the original Sidisi back. That's a legendary and a non-legendary version of Sidisi. So you have, wow, that's so a Which lot. can then uh, exploit itself and die again yep. and make another 2-2. Now, it, Luminous Broodmoth will bring it back the second time because of the flying counter. But that is a way to sort of further push this stuff. Machaeus the Unhallowed will do a similar thing because yeah. of the Undying. Um, and then there's cards like Cauldron of Souls, which will allow you to sort of give persist, uh, which is similar, allow you to sack a creature an additional time. Gift of Immortality seems amazing because you just sack it every turn now. It just keeps coming back over and over again. Yeah, because Gift brings it back. So like, okay, on Jimmy's turn, I sack it and make the This is just copy. a Sidisi deck with an extra enchantment. <laughs> it's true, and it's in white and black. So finding Sidisi, like black is the best tutor color, is not going to be difficult if that's what you want to do. I don't tend to like to play a lot of tutors. Yeah. So you could probably build this a version of this deck that doesn't allow itself to tutor and that'll keep its power clamped down quite a bit but still with annoying procession Tesa and things like that it's still gonna be powerful so yeah Tesa Radadravic plus just any of the legends we talked about seems pretty fun yeah so anyway that is a cool one with a lot of possibilities um, I was just a little disappointed there weren't more cool ETB and right. dies effects I mean there are some but not on legendary creatures not as many as you think yeah but it could be more in the future which makes cards like Radadravic really exciting 
His name is, by the way, Radjavik of Urborg, so you better be getting Urborg. And Cabal Conference, yeah. Conference, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you do that with Sidisi, I'm happy because it, you're not infinite comboing, right? You're, yeah. yeah that, that's being a, very flavorful and that's powerful. That's the most fair way to go, yeah. Yeah. All right, nice. That was a good breakdown. Uh, next up, we have a really fun one, more fun than my first card. It's Rith Liberated Primeval, which, by the way, Brian Kibler previewed, which I thought was very cute because he's dragon, the dragon. The Dragon Lord or the, the Dragon Master, master yeah. or the Dragon something. The What's Dragon that? with a lot of hair these days. <laughs> uh, so <True. laughs> Rith is two in Naya. So two red, green, and white for a 5-5 five, five legendary creature dragon with flying and ward two. And it says other dragons you control have ward two. So ward two is basically every time you try and target it, you have to pay an extra two mana. Your opponents. Your opponents, yeah. Yep. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, if a creature or planeswalker an opponent controlled was dealt excess damage this turn, create a 4-4 four, four red dragon creature token with flying. This is so. cool. Excess damage matters. This is kind of a new thing. Yeah. They, so, they previewed in like an unset at some point. but <laughs> Yeah, right. So excess damage is if I have a 1-1 one, one and you lightning bolt it, it deals three damage. That is excess damage to killing it. It had more damage than it needed. It was excess. Also, if I attack with a 4-4 four, four and you block with a 2-2, two, two, that'd count, right? Yep. So it has to be a creature or planeswalker and opponent controlled was dealt excess damage this turn by any source. So it could be combat, spells, all that good stuff. What's interesting is that there seems to be a new theme coming on, which is that dragons now apparently you get tokens and you get ward because Miram is another very popular uh, deck that instantly shot up to the top of the dragon decks uh, that also has flying and ward too and makes tokens um dragon token specifically so it seems like that's kind of a theme going on let's see if they explore other color combinations with it we'll see make dragons a little harder to kill yeah that's good because hexproof seems way too good but ward one or two feels like uh, i can kill it but it's annoying but all your dragons getting ward is pretty, pretty good yeah. yeah it makes any efficient removal like path to exile is now three mana doesn't feel way so worse good. yeah mm-hmm. um so obviously excess damage is more than lethal um, even the lightning bolt and the low cre- uh, toughness creature is going to get that 4-4. Four, four. There's a lot of creatures out there in red that give buffs to your other spells. Torbrand does it... Or to uh, damage. Or to damage, yeah. Torbrand adds two damage to any red sources dealing damage. Firesong and Sunspeaker uh, is great because every time you have a white or instant sorcery spell that gains you life it deals three damage so you can go that route as well and then you've got like boros reckoner brash taunter which allows you to redirect damage as you please so it's like oh darn this lightning bolt can only hit or sorry this spell can only hit a creature i want to hit that planeswalker or that player boros reckoner uh you like you hit that with the removal spell or whatever it deals that damage to someone else or some other creature whatever different target yeah different target also um, just makes you impossible to attack because yeah they just block and then zap that thing dies or you make a kill something else and get a four four yeah yeah now notably it's excess damage and only happens once so you don't have to have every single spell do it so i think you you, sh- you should want some flexibility to be like i just need to hit this thing and hit you i don't care if it's excess or not i've already dealt enough damage mm-hmm. moving onwards i oh it's chandra's incinerator is a card that i'm always trying to fit into decks and this is another card that cares about excess damage kind of yeah so it's five and a red for a six six costs a lot but it costs x less to cast where x is the total amount of non-combat damage dealt to your opponents this turn that's at their face uh it has trample and it says whenever source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent chandra's incinerator deals that much damage to target creature or planeswalker that player controls so now you can go combos where you're hitting your boros reckoner with a target creature only spell that then goes to your opponent that then you from chandra's incinerator hits a creature and then you get the excess damage clause yeah or even just lightning bolts and shocks kind of become good at that point yeah um now, I think you also want to have a lot of cheap spells that do a lot of damage. So Boros Charm does a lot. There's this new spell called Delayed Blast Fireball, which I think is interesting. It has Foretell for four red red. 
It's uh, one red red typically for an instant. It deals two damage to each opponent and each creature they control. So if they have any 1-1s, one this counts as excess damage. And if the spell is cast from exile, it deals five damage to each opponent and each creature they control instead. So you can just sort of foretell us for two early on, instant speed it for six later, and just deal a ton of damage. Oh boy, this makes Blasphemous Act quite good as yeah, well. Blasphemous huh? Act is very 13 good. 13 to everything. Yeah. Nothing has 13 toughness, so... But the thing is, you're only making one 4-4, four, four, so uh, I think you can't... Yeah, if it was for each thing that got dealt excess damage, it'd be great. So I think you're just trying to occasionally make 4-4s four when it's convenient, but really just be a sort of damage-based dragon deck and just... Oh, it really does make lightning bolts and stuff better because a lot of 2-2s two running yeah. around, you just bolt it, get a 4-4, four, four, kill it. That's like yeah. a one-mana... Kill a thing, make a 4-4 flyer it's pretty, with Ward 2. It's mm-hmm. pretty good, yeah. Yeah, so you got like Galvanic Blast as well. If you have a lot of artifacts, it deals 4 damage to any target. Uh, and then finally, I might be able to find a place for Electro Dominance. Oh, I love this card. I played in a lot of decks. So this is X Red Red. It deals X damage to any target, and then you can cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. Typically, you're like, all right, well, I'll just kill this for 2. But now you can dump a bunch of mana into it, get a big card, and a 4-4 as a result. It's a great way to sneak a Seedborn Muse out on an end step. Ah. Kill something get your seed born out pretty good untap and protect it right away now i think another easy way to do excess damage is just have big creatures attacking that people want to chump block so dragons and dragons that can be blocked more often than not are ones on the ground so (laughs) it seems like a fun deck to put ground dragons in so you have rondis rage of ancients so whenever it is dealt damage you can create a 5-4 red and green dragon spirit creature token with when this creature dies deals damage sacrifice it uh, so this we saw this get played by Joe Manganiello on Game Nights. Um, and then you also have Thrakus the Butcher. These are both D&D cards, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, whenever Thrakus attacks, double the power of each dragon you control until end of turn. Joe would be able to tell us their entire history, but I don't yeah. know off the top of my head. <laughs> Dragonborn Champion, whenever a source you control deals five or more damage to a player, draw a card. So then they have a really interesting situation where it's like, do I get hit for five or do I just chump block and give you a 4-4 instead? Yeah, do you get a card or do you get a 4-4 flyer? They're both bad. Yeah, both bad news. Um, and then if you're going in the air, you have all the dragons, but you got like Scourge of Valkus, which I really like because this and like Dragon Tempest, whenever another dragon or Scourge enters the battlefield, it deals X damage to any target where X is the number of dragons you control. The so once the, you've made like four, three or four dragons, it's a lot. Every single thing you deal is kill is probably going to have excess damage dealt to it. Um, oh yeah, because that goes boom. Now play a lightning bolt, make a dragon, which kills something with excess damage and makes a dragon. Oh my God. Well, I don't know if you, so the we have to be careful because... It, I wish Rith was a little more powerful. It's just at the beginning of your end step. So it only happens one time. On oh, one per step. turn. Yeah. I was not thinking one per turn. instance. Oh, I got yeah. you. If it was one per instance, then you would build the entire deck around this All effect. Right. I'll stop saying so that. So now you're kind of in this weird balance because, it, well, a good question. It goes right to the next question, which is like, in these types of decks, you're making a lot of tokens, presumably, but is it enough tokens to want to play Annoying Procession in Parallel Lives? Mm. Because if you're only making one a turn... Do you actually want to build the deck entirely around that effect? Because it's only on your turn and only when you do this specific thing. It feels like it's it's better to have more lightning bolts than more annoying processions, right? Yeah. Because you're going to kill more creatures and make the same amount of dragons. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to hide it better, too. Like, Yeah, yeah. having the annoying procession out, let's say you put four man into it, you lightning bolt something, end turn, you get two four fours. It's like, haha, I got him. Board wipe wow that wasn't as explosive as i thought whereas yeah. with mirror it's every time you cast a dragon you're getting another one so then you want to have a parallel lives in that deck so like we said earlier once you dealt excess damage once you don't need to keep sort of being like ah well i need to keep doing turn. it yeah on that turn so i think there's actually a lot of spells you still do play in this deck like ram through is an instant target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control if the creature you control has trample 
excess damage is dealt to that creature's controller instead. So that's the type of effect where it's like, oh, the trample actually takes the excess damage away and it deals it to the players. So you uh, wouldn't get a dragon there. But you don't necessarily need it either if you've already done it once that turn. Sure. So that's when you have your Blasphemous Act plus Toralf, God of Fury, which is whenever a creature or planeswalker in the opponent controls is dealt excess non-calumet damage, Toralf deals damage equal to the excess to any target other than that permanent. So this can turn excess damage now into, cool, I'll kill that, and Toralf is just going to swing the excess at something else and give that excess, or you hit Blasphemous Act and just kill everyone right. instantly. And actually, the back of Toralf is fine, too. It's a hammer that's one in a red, and then you equip the creature for one in a red, and it says, unat- one in a red, tap, unattach it. It deals three damage to any target and returns it to its hand. So that's another way to just to get a, if you have no other effects in hand, to deal excess damage. Yeah, it's a lightning bolt. It's a little inefficient, expects, expects but it is one. there, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and that plays, I think the lightning bolts are so good because it plays into the fact that the format's gotten faster, people playing more low-drop creatures. Yeah. So there's just Ragavans and Timnas and oh, yeah, all yeah. kinds of stuff you know running around that's small so a lightning bolt's almost always going to deal excess damage yeah yeah and if it's a deal three damage killer creature and make a four four on for one mana or two mana that's ridiculous yeah. yeah even lightning strike is good in that instance um i, I discovered that ryu world warrior uh street fighter <laughs> is actually a card that cares about excess damage as well when, when he has his hadouken so it's four red and untap it discarded card ryu deals damage equal to the power uh, to his power to any target and if excess damage was dealt to a creature this way, you draw a card. So now you could... Deal excess damage, disc- draw a card. Yep. If you can just pump Ryu a little bit too... It Put Toroff's hammer on it, gets plus three, plus oh. Now all of a sudden it's discard a card, make a four, four, kill a creature and draw a card. Yeah, for five mana and untapping it, it's a little... It's a lot, but still. It's a lot, but it's fun, right? I think at this point, you're not necessarily going for pure power. Oh, that's Toroff's Helmer. I guess you don't. You could unattach it and tap him so that yeah. you can untap him, but that doesn't work as good, yeah. I think the actually the sneakily the, the more powerful part of Rith is the every dragon you have control has Ward 2. So if you're building a dragon travel deck or you're just putting it in Ur Dragon, it's pretty good. Or Scion, even. Yeah, Scion. I mean, it's going to cost less than Ur Dragon, and all of a sudden you just have this thing that protects every single dragon that you have on the battlefield. Seems pretty good. Over and out. All right. Well, thinking, or thinking, speaking of dragons, the next one is Revaz of the Claw, which is another dragon tribal deck. Although Revaz himself, herself, is not a dragon. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's a, it's like a dragon friend. Yeah. <laughs> so it's one, a black and a red, three mana for a 3-3 three, three legendary Viashino Warlock. Revaz has Menace. Menace. You can tap Revaz and add two mana in any combination of colors but you can spend this mana only to cast dragon creature spells. Mm. Once during each of your turns, you may cast a dragon creature spell from your graveyard. Okay. And whenever you cast a dragon creature spell from your graveyard, it gains when this creature dies, exile it. So that's a downside. So it gives you access to the dragons in your graveyard and then taps for mana to only cast dragons. This is another dragon tribal deck in uh, black and red in Rakdos, we talked about the new Blade Wing in the last episode. Mm-hmm. The old Blade Wing, both Blade Wings care about your graveyard being full. The old Blade Wing cares about dragons. The new Blade Wing just cares about creatures in there. I think both are going to have a bunch of cards that are going to cross over with a Revaz deck. Yeah. Revaz will obviously be pretty good in both of those other two decks. Maybe not the new Blade Wing because it doesn't have to be Dragon Tribal, so maybe there's no dragons in there. Right. Uh, 
But the old Blightwing, which resurrects a dragon from your graveyard to the battlefield, that's going to have a lot of crossover with the Revaz deck, and it'll be up to you to decide whether just old Blightwing is just kind of better than Revaz or not. One thing I'll say is Revaz will help you cast your dragons faster. Yeah, old Blightwing costs, what, seven mana? Yeah, which is a ton. But there are a bunch of combos with the old Blightwing, so it is very powerful. So, yeah. The first thing you think of is Rakdos Dragons. You're going to want, you know, dragon synergies and dragon cards. So the Lathlases, the Udvara Hellkites, you just talked about Scourge of Valkus, Jimmy. Great card. Yep. A lot of the red and black dragons you'll want in there. Then you're going to want all the dragon synergy stuff that most dragon decks have. Dragon Tempest, uh, Dragon Lord Servant, Crux of Fate. These are just Ooh. very commonly used dragon cards, right? Make your dragons cost less. Make your dragons, you know, give them haste. Do have them do stuff when they enter the battlefield. Kill all non-dragons. Yeah, including your commander. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Your commander is a non-dragon, so Crux of Fate. But I think by the time you're casting Crux of Fate, you've got three or four dragons, and you're like, I don't care if my commander dies. I'm good yeah, now. Yeah. This should help me win the game. Yep. And Revaz also the turn you cast it can it doesn't have haste, but can uh, give you access to casting the creature, uh, the dragon creature out of your graveyard. So oh, I see. It sort of has haste on some of its abilities, if you think of it like that. Of course, you're going to need things in your graveyard, and Revise is going to be at the most powerful when your graveyard's quite full, because mm-hmm. now it's kind of tutoring, right? Like, it's just looking through your graveyard, I mean, which dragon do I want to cast? If there's only one or two cards in there, the choices aren't like tutoring. But once there's 20 cards or so, yeah. you're picking the right thing for the right moment. Either of the past Blade Wings, you know, are a good roadmap for the type of self-mill stuff of filling your graveyard you're going to want. Stitcher Supplier, we always talk about for this stuff. Milliken, Altar of Dementia is pretty good because dragons tend to be big. If you sack them, you can mill yourself for a lot. Stinkweed Imp, just because of the dredge mechanic. So, yeah, dredge five. Yeah, dredge is great. Red helps you with the faithless lootings and the thrill of possibilities of the world because you can pick which thing to specifically put in your graveyard and you didn't lose it. Revise lets you cast it was as if it was in your hand anyway. Speaking of Milliken, it's a two-mana creature that taps for and gives you a colorless mana and mills a card when it does so. Do you yeah. think that's a way to make two-mana rocks is just put them on creature bodies because they don't have haste? Maybe, but there's a lot, right? Because the old mirror all do it. Like those are Yeah, exist. Iron Mirror and all those yeah, things. Yeah, I think they need additional um, uh, utility like Milliken has where it's like, okay, it mills me a card and, and creates the mana. Yeah. That makes it worth it. But if it only tapped for mana, I think it's probably not good enough to to push out like a signet or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, red has all, a bunch of wheel effects. Those also fill your graveyard. Uh, I wanted to mention, you know, you probably want anger in this deck since you are going to be milling. You're going to be able to faithless looting and stuff, and that's a way to give all your dragons haste, which is very important for dragons because they're expensive and you want them to swing right away, and a lot of them have, like, on attack triggers. Yeah, and tap your commander when it comes out. Yeah, and I think other than that, it's not going to be that different than, like, a bunch of Rakdos de- dragons decks. You're going to run a lot of the same things. The only thing I'll say is that there is that exile clause on Revis. When the creature you you bring back dies, it exiles, so you yeah. can't do it again. So anytime you bring it... yeah. This is the thing Radadrabic didn't have, which is surprising, right? Which yeah, is, right. Yeah, when I've cast my dragon out of my graveyard, well, the next time it dies, it's gone forever. It's exiled. So there are ways to kind of get rid of that exile clause, though. And if this is important to you, and I'm really not sure that it is, um, there are ways to get around it. There's Conjurer's Closet. If you blink the thing, it comes back in. It no longer has the... Yeah, it's a new copy of that permanent. Yeah, so sort of Hearth and Home. You can even do the... The cards that say, when this creature dies, return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. Because Revaz doesn't give it a replacement effect. It gives oh, it doesn't it a, say instead. It just yeah, it gains says, this text. It gains the text, when this creature dies, exile it. So that trigger would go on the stack. But if you had another trigger attached to it from like Malakir Rebirth. Then that would see it first. Return undying Malakir. So you get to stack your triggers, right? So you say, you know, Malakir Rebirth, when this creature dies, return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. So what you can do is cast Malakir Rebirth. 
now when it dies, it'll have two triggers. One says exile it, you put that on the bottom, and you say one says bring it back to the battlefield, you put that one on the top. Yeah. And now when it goes to exile, it's like, oh, it's not there anymore. It's not in the graveyard, you can't exile it, yeah. Yeah. So that's another sort of way around it. I, I would say, oh, you can also play like Cauldron of Souls. Oh, right, know, persist. Yeah, that kind of stuff. But I would say like if you cast multiple dragons from your graveyard, like you're probably doing pretty well. And the fact that it's going to get exiled when it dies is probably not as big of a deal. Yeah. Just cast different ones out of there with Revez the next yeah. time. Yeah, text would have to say if this dragon, if the creature you control would die or leave the battlefield, exile instead for yeah, any reason. exile it instead. Instead, yeah. instead, yeah, the big word instead there is not there, so you can get around it. Yeah, because it's not replacing the effect of the dying it's triggering when it dies so you just you know you just scoop it with another trigger so anyway um yeah i I think revez is you know cool it's the the it's that uh quintessential question of in your command zone do you want a setup card or a payoff card Ah, and revez is a setup card whereas you know new blade Blade wing is more of a payoff card right like it says oh once you've done all this stuff i'll give you the game winning yeah yeah. revez is not a game winning play it says you know, I will set you up to make the game we play with the other cards in your deck. And in general, I would say setup cards are better. Yeah, it telegraphs a lot less yes. what you're about to do. Because if it's like, I've got the combo ready, just need to cast my commander, everyone's going to go, okie dokie. Yeah, I can nope. see your commander. That's why cra- you don't want Crater Hoof in your command zone so yeah. much. You'd rather yeah, have yeah. the token maker in your command zone, and then they don't know if you have Crater Hoof in your hand. They don't know when you're going to go for it. Yep. Okay. Very nice. Lots of dragons. Moving on. Yeah, it's we- funny. Dominaria isn't a lot. Of- I guess Shiv is there, and the Shiv is like a dragon area. So, True. yeah. I was just thinking, we just come off Dungeons and Dragons. There's a lot, been a lot of dragons, like been new a good dragons year. lately. Yeah, good year for dragons. Year of the dragon? Didn't we say it was Dragon Week? It's, it's dragon not the year, year of the dragon, though. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's the year of the tiger. We know because of our playmat. That's right. But they both roar. Okay. Uh, <laughs> next up, we have Shannon Sleepers Scourge. This is from the Dehada Precon. Um, it says one a red, white, and a black for a two-four legendary creature, Human Knight, with menace, Menace. Other legendary creatures you control have menace. I almost that was like a menace. Yeah, that, that was menace and menace combined. <laughs> menace. <laughs> and, and then so somebody take menace in reverse. Yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> uh, And then whenever you play a legendary land or cast a legendary spell, you draw a card and you lose a life. That's that last part's pretty good. Tactile yeah. of uh, of legendary things. Yeah, that last part's real spicy. So finally, we have Manache Tribal uh, again. This time in Mardu with legendary matters. Um, but the question I think is like, do you care about that part? The menace seems like totally. Who cares? Yeah. Like well, I'm, maybe maybe you put one of those menace uh, cares about menace cards in there's there. A there's couple, a couple legends. Yeah. 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 Um, but it does give all your legendary creatures that you cast with Menace, so there is an argument that, yeah, you do want a couple of supporting cards, but I don't think you build around the Menace. It's thing. like a sub-theme, not a theme. Yeah, yeah. The theme is legendary stuff matters, right? The yeah. sub-theme is maybe you care about Menace a little bit. And not just that, but you play legendary lands, draw a card that as well. Just, that's why I mean Tatiova, right? Like, yeah. Because you're going to want most of your lands to be legendary, I would assume. Almost all of them, if you could. You can play the land, and then you can tap and play a legendary and draw two cards of that turn, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Um, I so like the sound of that. It's like Enchantress, basically, but for legendaries. It, it's like Enchantress, but the cards you're casting might actually kill your opponent. Yeah. They might <laughs> do things. just dawdle and do nothing <laughs> until you wait for your fellow dart tree. Until everybody falls asleep. Yeah. And your board state looks... I mean, if you saw the last extra turns, you know exactly what happens when Enchantresses just start going off. Yeah. They fill the board, of, and then they have to wait until they can finally get the combo going. You're like, wow, that's a lot of cards on your board. Do How do we die? And they're like, you don't. Go. I hit you with five <laughs> one ones. Okay, go. Okay, go. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So one land that we've talked about already is Untaidaki, the Cloud Keeper. This is Perfect. Ancient Tomb, but for legendary spells. Enters the battlefield you pay two life and tap it add two to your mana pool spend this mana only to cast legendary spells pretty good 
Uh, there's a card called Hammerheim, which is just tap it to add red, and then you can tap it to target creature loses all landwalk abilities until end of turn. More importantly, it's a legendary land that enters the battlefield untapped. Yep. Then you've got Urborg, you've got all of the channel lands, Igonjo, or Elgon, Igonjo? Igonjo. Sea of the Empire, Takanuma, Sokanzan. You also have the old Igonjo, Igonjo Castle. Um, there's a lot of legendary lands out there. You're really looking for ones that don't give you a downside or yeah. don't do anything. So you can play a couple of tap lands or whatever, but they have yeah. some other upside. I yeah. mean, if you play... Are you thinking you can make it to like 100% of the lands are legendary or is it more like uh, probably 80% Probably not. Yeah, you're probably going most of them legendary because you still will have your regular... You still want like a triome and you still want yeah. a couple fetch lands. And if you have fetch yeah. lands and all that stuff, you want, yeah, to be able to fetch that because a lot of the legendary lands do not have the subtype plains, mountain, swamp. Right, right. Good. Um, now, legendary creatures you've got your pick this is mardu there are so many legendary creatures you can look at any of the dehada lists that have been popping up as well and see what cards they're putting in there um so i'm just going to mention a couple that we haven't mentioned yet uh massacre girl is a board wipe legendary creature um i'm not going to explain it there's a lot of text just go read it yourself um <laughs> but it almost always wipes the board there needs to be a one one yeah there needs to be a one one but if, if there is usually it'll wipe the rest uh grenzo havoc razor i think is really good because it says whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player you can either go to creature the player controls or you exile the top card of that player's library and then you can cast that card and spend mana as though it was mana of any color to cast it everything has menace so your creatures are probably going to be getting through for some damage. That's great. Breach's Brazen Plunderer is one of the partner commanders that is just a menace creature. It has a similar line of text to Grenzo, so it attacks, it will give you something. Nice thing, because it has menace, you don't need your commander out to have it sort of do the thing. Um, a lot of people are talking about Sir Gwyn, Hero of Ashvale. This is another legendary creature, Human Knight. Uh, turns out a lot of those knights are already legendary. So you could put Shannon in the Sir Gwyn deck or the other way around. You're going to get a lot of triggers either way because it cares about legendary stuff. Interesting. Legendary yeah. spells. Planeswalkers. Yeah, it's, easy, it's easy to forget that Planeswalkers are all legendary. Yeah. So Loth, the ones that care about Menace are Loth, Spider Queen, and Angrith, Captain of Chaos. Both very powerful. Both drawing you a card when they enter the battlefield seems really nice. Uh, and then you just have the traditionally very powerful Mardu Planeswalkers. So like Elspeth, Sun's Champion, Jessica, Thrice Reborn. Jessica seems really good because you're doing a ton of damage. And again, you have Menace. Mm -hmm. So it's just ways to just get in more damage. Um, some people were thinking maybe this could be in the Goshintai of Life's Origin deck because oh, all of, of the shrines are... are legendary. Yeah, that's interesting. So that it, again, it's like acting as an, a duplicate for an Enchantress effect. Uh, but this time it's actually, you know, a creature <laughs> that can kill your opponents. Um, and then the Menace Matter stuff. So if you want your creatures just to actually be unblockable, you'd play a card like Sonorous Howlbonder, which says each creature you control with Menace can't be blocked except by three or more creatures. That's probably going to get through every time. And then you have cards like Vorak Ballahorns and Yun Shao, the Indecisive. So these basically say equipped creature has trample uh, and can't be blocked by more than one creature. So if it has menace, then those two say you just can't block it. Yep. And Yun Shao does the same but for each of your creatures as long as Yun Shao is in play. Labyrinth Raptor, whenever a creature you control with menace becomes blocked, defending player sacrifices a creature blocking it. Pretty much means they're never blocking it. Yeah, they're never blocking it. Um, and then you might play cards like Tentative Connection. I really like this. Three and a red for a sorcery. It costs three less if you control a creature with menace. And you gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste till end of turn. So this is a one mana act of treason. That's pretty good. Seems like a pretty good rate. Mm -hmm. um, professional Facebreaker. This card is just... This card's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. If you're not playing Professional Facebreaker, you should start right now. Yeah. So whenever... In like all red decks, but very good in this deck. Very good in this deck. Whenever one more creatures you control deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token. 
and that that's is, not it. And but all your creatures have menace. So and this ha- also comes with menace naturally. Yeah. But remember, it's professional facebreaker affects your other creatures dealing combat damage. You're going to want to swing at multiple players. Yeah. Yeah. And then the real nutty part is sack a creature, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. So yeah. So you sack the treasure to impulsive draw. And it creates the treasures that let you do that. These They should stop creating cards that do both of these things, which is give you mana and then and give you cards because yeah. they're just too good. If you need mana to cast the cards in your hand, you use the mana part. And if you're out of it and you have too much mana, you use the card draw part. Yeah, you would think they already learned their lesson with, what was that one Bant legend that every time a land there is the battlefield? It was from the Brawl decks. Uh, Chulain. Chulain, yeah. Chulain, right? The cards that basically the entire package is there. Everything you need, top to bottom, is on the card itself. Yeah. So, but anyway, it, that is a card that exists, and you should probably be playing it. It's very good. Yeah. It's very good. You always need mana, right? You always need cards, right? Yeah. And a 2-3 Menace is probably going to be able to hit someone. Uh, and then finally, Queen Marchesa is in the Mardu Colors and cares about Monarch. If all of your oh, it's, creatures have menace, that's oh, really good. Yeah, you yeah. can get it back really easily if someone should decide to take it from you. And Queen Marchesa has Death Touch. Menace and Death Touch is brutal. Yeah, because when they block with two <laughs> creatures, they're both dying. They're both right? dying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then they just never block. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that you could also make an argument that Shannon goes in the Marchesa deck or the Shergwin deck, but I think Shannon by itself is a really powerful commander because you're just constantly refueling and finding so many different synergies with all these creatures. Yeah, a lot of times we talk about it, and it seems like it's better inside the deck uh, than than As not. Commander, but yeah. I think this is this card seems more powerful than Queen Marchesa. Uh, oh, by a long shot. I yeah. Think. So probably the opposite way around. Very Pretty good. cool. That seems like a cool one, and actually will be quite strong, but still combat based, which is fun. Yep. 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 All right, we're about halfway through here. We're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. But when we come back, we are going to talk about the commander in the deck that Jimmy is playing Yee-hoo! on the next episode of Game Night. So don't go anywhere. Be back. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, we are back, folks. And we're talking about commanders from Dominaria United. Part two. Part two. N through Z. N through Z. We're on S. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> uh, so this next commander is the one that I played on the upcoming game nights for Dominaria United. Very exciting. Uh, it's a pretty good one. Pretty spicy. A lot of people are really excited about this card. It is not Shanid. It's Shanna. Purifying Blade. A green, a white, and a blue for a legendary creature human warrior. That's a 3-3 with a lifelink. And at the beginning of your end step, you may pay X. If you do draw X cards, X can't be greater than the amount of life you gain this turn. So this is Well of Lost Dreams on the creature. Yeah, and boy, a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three lifelink almost certainly can swing the turn after you play it and just by itself pay 3-mana, draw 3 cards that turn. Yeah. That seems like just that seems quite good to me. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. And you can actually just pay 1 if you wanted to, right? It just yeah, X can't oh, be greater than the amount of life you've gained. Right. So, so if you, you could, didn't want to draw a million cards, which yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't, but yeah. And then, of course, all it, it doesn't have to be the life gain off the lifelink from Shanna. It can just be any life gain. Yeah, so I think, in general, you want to actually just jam-pack your deck with alternative life gain because players are going to do anything they can to not let you swing with Shanna. I found that you know, when I was playtesting this deck, I would often leave Shanna back on defense because I would have another way to gain life and just draw one or two cards instead. I don't always need the maximum value. Right. Play against Shanna in Limited one time, it was a blowout. Oh, yeah, because Lifelink's so good in Limited. Draw the person like nine cards. <laughs> now, one thing to note is that at the, at the beginning of your end step, so instant speed life gain on other player's turn doesn't do anything, right? You right. have to gain the life during your turn. But as with any life gain deck, people are going to try to kill you uh, right. because they know that you're going to be going the opposite direction. So just having life gain, I think, will be good in this deck. But yeah, you definitely want to be able to gain life on your turn. That is something to know about life gain decks is people look around and they go, okay, well, that's a life gain deck. I should hit them first. Yeah. Because if I don't, they're going to be at 90. At, and they're going to draw 20 cards. So I got to try and keep that under control. So yeah, that's one of the downsides of life gain decks is a lot of times you're just sort of the default target early. Yeah. So that's why I really love both Blind Obedience and Authority of the Consoles because 
Blinding Obedience has Extort, and don't pay attention to the reminder text. It may have black in there, but it doesn't mean that you can't play this in mono-white decks or decks with just white and without black. Yeah, if it's got Extort, you could play it in mono-colored as long as the casting cost in the top right corner doesn't have both colors. Yeah, or there's no other... Yeah, you, you get the idea. We've Look explained this Look about 30 times. <laughs> uh, but because Blinding Obedience and, bo- and authority consoles both have text that mm-hmm. say Blinding Obedience, artifacts and creatures your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. So again, you can now swing in with Shan if you need to. And authority consoles says creatures your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped and authority of the console is a little different so whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control you gain one life so you're not going to be drawing cards off of that part but you really just will get just a bunch of life gain regularly and more importantly your opponents can never put up good blockers and remember there's other cards in the deck shanna's not the only card well of lost dreams probably is in the deck and things like that so yeah. the life gain on your opponent's turn is not nothing yeah yeah totally. Um, but they also have just other ways to gain a bunch of life. Heliod, Suncrowned. Uh, yep. You can just put the Walking Ballista combo in here pretty easily. If you want to, yeah. But it gives another creature lifelink until end of turn. Archivist of Ogma. This card is just... Go home, White. You did it. One in the white for a flash, 2-2. Two, two. Whenever an opponent searches their library, you gain one life and draw a card. So this is... It doesn't even need to be in the Shanna deck. This card just goes into every... This and the Deep Gnome... Deep are like Mantor. both ridiculous. Like yeah. Every time they're on Battlefield, you're like, oh my god. Yeah, they yeah, just gained three. What we've been asking for for white, and, and I don't think we've complained about white in a couple of months here, nope. and I think Wizards, pat yourself on the back, you did it. I think white is pretty close now to red and right up there in the mix as far as like it's got plenty of the tools that we've been asking for for years yeah so. i've seen uh heliod sun crown decks take down cedh tournaments because it just has yeah it has the combo can tutor for the combo yeah i mean you skip the part on heliod where it oh, when, right. whenever you gain life you put a one one counter on target or a uh, creature or enchantment you control so with the lifelink and all the other yeah authority of the consoles is in a nuts card with heliod because it's one one every time somebody plays a creature yeah 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 um pretty good yeah, it turns out white got what it needed thanks to Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> they did it. Um, and then you also have stuff like Scavenging Ooze. You can use this on your turn to exile cards from graveyards, and you gain life and get plus and plus counters on Scavenging Ooze. And then you have the Soul Sisters, Soul Ward and Soul's Attendant, very similar. Um, it's any time a creature ends the battlefield, you gain a life, which is great. Yeah, because you play a creature, gain life, can draw the cards. Yep. Yeah. Pristine Talisman. Oh, so good. This is a three-mana artifact. You tap it, you gain a life, and you get a mana. So... Typically, you would never really play these as much anymore. I know there's some contention about that, but this is a great card in this deck because on your turn, you tap it to play something, you gain a life, you can pay. Or you can even use on your end step, trigger goes on the stack, tap the Pristine Talisman, float the mana, gain a life, pay that mana into it. I don't think you can. Because on the end step, it will your mana will go away. At so, the beginning of your end step, you may pay X. If you do draw X cards, X can't be great. Maybe you have to already have drawn, gained some life that time. I don't know. We got to ask a judge on that one. Judge! Um, even some board wipes are good if you give uh, your commander indestructible and cast Fumigate. You're going to gain a bunch of life. Uh, Parasaline, which is really good. Destroy all enchantments. You gain one life for each enchantment destroyed this way. And then because you have so much mana you're trying to invest at yeah. your end step, it leaves you open. So you're going to want to have to have ways to generate a bunch of mana. Mirari's Wake is a great way to double up all your mana. But Wilderness Reclamation and Seaborn Muse are really, I think, where you want to be at. Go to your end step, pay for all the life you gain, draw all those cards, and then untap all those lands. Be open and do, be able to do, do something else. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, yeah, you're often going to want to spend as much mana as you can to draw as many cards as possible. Yeah. So 
And I hate being tapped out on other players' turns. Yeah, it feels bad, especially when you're in Bant, which has so many great instant speed uh, interaction spells. Sphinx of the Second Sun also gives you an, an additional untap phase. So this is a way for you to be like, I'm just going to invest a ton of mana, cast all my stuff, and then untap all my lands, and then be able to spend mana into Shanna's ability at the end. Yeah, a lot like Wilderness Reclamation, actually. Yeah, um, which is pretty fun. And then I think you're actually even playing some of the gates, or not the gates, the, the tap lands that oh, give yeah. you a life, the life lands. Because you for play sure. that, gain a life, there goes your card draw. Pretty nice. Maybe a couple bounce lands. You could always replay them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Radiant Fountains are really good one. Seraph Sanctuary. Yep. Both of those, you will just gain a life when they enter the battlefield, and they come in untapped. Uh, Radiant Fountain gains you two life. Seraph Sanctuary gains you one. And if you're playing an angel deck, then you're going to get a bunch more life off Seraph Sanctuary. It's amazing how some, you know, quote unquote, um, don't get mad at me, bad cards, like cards that we wouldn't normally play. How about that? Cards Be- that Josh and I would not normally play. You are totally welcome to play them. Do whatever you want. We're just evaluating the cards based on, you know, our normal evaluation. That we've of, been doing for seven know. years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, yeah, Lifeland's generally not good enough these days for us to play in our decks, and we don't see them very often. But when you add draw a card to something, it all of a sudden gets a lot better, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, or you play all the Lifelands and then Amelie the Vigor. Yeah. Because there you go. There you there go. You go. Uh, and then you have some win cons. Obviously, Aetherflex Reservoir is the big one. Just oh, boy. Ki- yeah. Just Death Star. Gotta be the, one of the best cards in the deck because you're obviously, you know, very often going to be above that 50-point life total. Totally. Uh, and then even Alhamrat's Archive, which oh, is going to yeah. give you twice as much life and then every Draws time you... twice as many twice cards. Many cards yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so if really you gain two life, that's really four. You pay four mana, you really draw eight cards? Yeah. Holy cow. That's you just really need to do good. that one time. That, that feels... And then you're in a winning position. And then Blossoming Bog Beast, uh, this is the Crater Huff of the deck. Whenever it attacks, you gain two life, then creatures you control gain Trample and plus X plus X, where X is the amount of life you gain this turn. Oh, and that happens every single time, not like Crater Huff, which only happens once. Correct. Yeah. And this is on a five drop. On a five drop. That yeah. seems good. Doesn't that pace, um, though? No, not yet. <laughs> uh, and then there's some c- c- combos. So with Blossoming Bog Beast, you can play Illusions of Grandeur or Delusions of Mediocrity. These are two cards that are ridiculous. So Illusions of Grandeur is three in the blue with a cumulative upkeep of two when it enters the battlefield you gain 20 life and then when it leaves the battlefield you lose 20 life so with blossoming bog beast if you play illusions and swing you're going to get plus 22 plus 22 and trample to all your creatures and also you can basically draw as many cards as you want for one mana piece yeah, yeah and then delusions of mediocrity is just the same version it's three in the blue but it's you gain 10 life doesn't have a cumulative upkeep when it leaves the battlefield you lose 10 life so you combine those with cards like Ezra Root Channeler, which is creature spells you cast cost X less for X is the amount of life you gain this turn. That's just a free Eldrazi with Delusions of Mediocrity. Or Accomplished Alchemist, which you tap to add X mana of any one color where X is the amount of life you gain this turn. That's great. Ramp on your life gain. Like yeah. it. So I think that those are the kind of combos you're trying to go for to win the game. You're just drawing into those. You're gaining a bunch of life, and then you're swinging, and you're killing everyone. And if you really want to... You can play a Stacks version of this deck. Now, this isn't what you did for Game Nights, right? No. Why would I? I never played Stacks. Our, our editors would, would try and stab you with something because yeah. that would make for a 19-hour long game. Ugh. Maybe someday if I'm trying to build something really competitive and mean, I'd build a Stacks deck. But otherwise... Maybe for extra turns, not for Game Nights. Yeah, yeah. not for Game Nights. Um, so like Derevi, Derevi, just look at any of those decks. You can play a similar strategy. And in this case, you're just locking everyone down. You're hitting them with your Shanna. You're drawing a bunch of cards and you're just really getting the, the engine going. But don't do that. <laughs> I mean, you can if your playgroup's cool with it. Yeah. All right. The next <laughs> one is, this is a throwback to an old um, character, 
but it's a little bit of a weird design. Yeah. So it's Solkanar the Tainted. You may remember Solkanar the Swamp King is an OG like legend from the old days. This is two in Grixis, so two blue, black, and red for a 5-5 elemental demon. At the beginning of your end step, choose one that hasn't been chosen. Draw a card. Each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Solkanar deals three damage to up to one target creature or planeswalker. And then, the weird one, exile Solkanar, then return it to the battlefield under an opponent's control. Ah, so, so it's kind of like Bloodforge Battle at whatever. You're just passing this guy around after you do the other abilities. Yeah, so you get the three good things, and then on the fourth one, your opponent gets it, one of them, and then presumably, if right. the game lasts forever, they get the three good things and have to give it, to, not <laughs> even back to you, but just to another opponent. It doesn't seem very good, and spoiler alert, it is not very good. <laughs> as far as I could tell, and you know, I couldn't find anything really super interesting to do with it. This could be good, though. I think, you know, I like to earmark a few cards per set as the, like, hey, if you're the player in your playgroup that everybody complains about because your decks are too good. Ah. Um, you know, and we get these emails from people saying, like, my playgroup always kills me first. It's usually because they've learned if they don't do that, you're going to win every time. Well, Solkanar is one of those decks that if you built along the theme of Solkanar, right. you know, didn't just put a CEDH shell onto this Grixis commander and never play the commander. But if you try and play into what Solkanar is doing, it's hard for this deck to be extremely powerful, I think. Because you uh, have to give Solkanar away. Yeah, well, or unless you you're trying to get to around it. You get around it, yeah, yeah. not give him away. So yeah, let's talk about Solkanar's ability here. I think upgrading your upkeep. So Paradox Haze gives you two upkeeps. Yeah. Like, listen, if you just read Solkanar, let's say you took away the fourth ability, Jimmy. So mm -hmm. it only has just... At the beginning of your upkeep, choose one of these things. End step, end step. Or sorry, of your end step, choose one of these things. Draw a card, deal two to everybody you gain two, or deal three to something. Would you even still play this card? It's a five mana five five that like <laughs> five mana five five waits here and step to draw a card is not so hot. Right? Like it's like I think Bull Drifter is just better. Probably. It doesn't do it every turn, but like you need two turns for it to be... Well, it's not even a... Yeah. It deals three it, damage to a creature or planeswalker, not even a player. You're only draining everyone for two. There's a lot... This is Grixis. There's so many good cards in this I'm color sure the color's fine, but this card just doesn't do a lot, and I think it's just kind of underpowered. And yeah. then the fact that they're like, simultaneously, we're also going to have a downside on this card is, is kind of weird. It's probably for limited, because it's a mythic, and in, in limited, it seems pretty good or it, you see, if you're running like that like a deck that's filled with like liliana's contract whatever that one is where you lose the game if you get to the last ability sure the, like you'd be playing that kind of deck it's like ah cool i'm gonna try everyone to do all the abilities but the last one right it's like a theme yeah so anyway i was just trying to figure out ways like okay just to make the ability good i want two of these things on my end step right so uh oh i said paradox haze but it's end step so paradox haze is no good yeah um strionic resonator Lithoform engine, they'll allow you to double up that trigger. It does cost you mana. Two mana, yeah. Yeah, so it's questionable of how to like squeeze out more like value out of Solkanar's ability, even. Yeah. Uh, and and like if he's five mana, five, five, draw two cards at your end step, even if you could figure out a way to do that, it's. No, that's seven mana because you have to pay two mana. To yeah, the ability. <laughs> it's, it's like still questionable. So it, it's hard to make Solkanar busted. And then the other part is you're going to eventually have to give it away. So how do I avoid giving him away and the most obvious way is like bounce flicker or blink yeah flicker or bl blink being preferable so you don't have to recast and there's of course a bunch of ways to do that conjurer's closet thoughts deep dwelling sort of hearth and home those are ways to just blink it um 
so that you reset it and now you can just draw a card every turn or or deal three to something every turn erratic portal crystal shard can both bounce it so you can replay it and erratic portal crystal shard are cards that are very annoying to play against for your opponents they they always have to leave one or two mana up if they don't want a thing to get bounced so those are powerful cards to just kind of have you can also sundial of the infinite or obeka to end the turn on the turn where you have to give it away oh okay but the problem with that is it hasn't. It's not a new permanent, so you yeah. you can't choose any of the other modes for it the rest of the game. It just becomes a five mana five five. Yeah, so that doesn't really help you that much because yeah, you can't draw cards or anything with it anymore because you've already chosen those modes. Ah, yeah. It has to get exiled, killed, bounce in your hand, and replayed till it so that it's a new permanent, so you can start getting the value out of it again. Basically, I think I sort of failed on this one to find. I can't even think of anything, and I love these colors. Yeah, anything that yeah, of course you could build just a regular Grixis Spellsinger shell or something around, and and just put. Solkanar at the head, but it doesn't really interact with the deck with any synergy. But I don't think, you know, that's that interesting to do with this particular card. I guess you could do it so people think like, oh, Solkanar, it's, that's bad. I'm not going to worry about that deck <laughs> as like a head fake. But anyway, that's that's uh, yeah, that's what I came up with. Yeah, Solkanar. I don't blame you. It doesn't seem terribly exciting. It seems just fun. You know, it could be fun in like, but even then, you're waiting till five turn five to play it, or maybe turn three or four if you're going fast. And then you still have to wait three more turn rotations. Maybe just extra turn spells is how you make it powerful. Yeah, I heard extra turn spells are good. Yeah. People don't generally like that, though. No, it's true. <laughs> All right, on to the next one, which is Soul of Windgrace. Uh, spoiler alert, this is the deck that Sam from Ristic Studies plays on the upcoming episode Ooh. of Game Night. So we've now announced all the players and their decks. I'll recap it here. Rachel Weeks is playing Dahada. Jimmy's playing Shanna. Sam is playing Soul of Windgrace, and I am playing... Oh, I don't know if we've... Oh, no, we haven't, because it's going to be on the, the future. I'm playing Torwaki, which is one of the box, box toppers. toppers because yeah. I think that episode will come out after the Game Nights episode. So, um, Okay, so Soul of Windgrace is a Jund Lands Matter deck. It is, as you would expect, something that says Windgrace on it to be. <laughs> it is one black, red, and green. So four mana for a 5-4 cat avatar. Yeah. Whenever Soul of Windgrace enters the battlefield or attacks... You may put a land card from a graveyard and onto the battlefield tapped under your control from a graveyard. Oh. Yep. Uh, has three activated abilities. The first one, pay a green and discard a land card, gain three life. Pay one and a red and discard a land card, draw a card. Mm. Why that's on the red one, I don't know. Pay two and a black, discard a land card. Soul of Windgrace gains indestructible until end of turn. Tap it. It's interesting because... At least the green life gain one makes sense to me, but red is not known Maybe for Maybe it's because it's kind of like looting or no, rummaging because you're discarding then drawing. Ma- oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. That makes Has sense. Has to be a land though. That makes sense to me. Okay. Um, so Soul of Windgrace is lands matter, but particularly discarding lands. So you want yeah. lands in your hands to get its effect. And then it has the ability once you've discarded to one of its abilities, it attacks and then, or you cast it, but I guess you couldn't have discarded to its ability if you hadn't cast it yet. Anyway, right. it attacks and gets the land that you discard back onto the battlefield. So it's a ramp card in general. Um, I think the play pattern tells you that when you cast Soul of Windgrace, you want to get full value. So you want a land to be in a graveyard. Remember, it can be from your opponents. But it I does come think, back tapped. Yeah. So I don't think you can count on your opponents always having a land. It depends yeah. on your play group. You know, if there's a ton of fetch lands and things, maybe you could. But in general, I think you want to build your deck so that you can put lands in the graveyard prior to casting Soul of Windgrace. Uh, and, you know, there's a million ways to do this. Fetch lands will obviously do it. It doesn't have to be the expensive ones either. It can be the evolving wilds of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you can use the Bloodstained Myers and everything like that. There are spells that do it. So, like, Harrow and Crop mm, Rotation. Yeah, great spells. Yeah, and they both ramp you. Oh, sorry, Crop Rotation doesn't. Um, but 
it allows you to go find uh, any, any land, land if your crop rotation and then harrow your upper land. So that helps you get to soul of one grace faster, gets a land in your graveyard that it can get back out onto the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's also like cycling lands that you could just cycle early, like a barren moor or a canyon slough or something like that. And that will allow you to have a land in your uh, early on. Yeah. Yeah. And your Smooth graveyard. an early turn. Yeah. And they replace themselves. So it doesn't cost you the card. It just is. If you, Cycle a Baron more. It's kind of like a one-mana Rampant Growth when you play Soul of Windgrace, right? Yeah, because it does come in tapped, yeah. and you get the land back. But it costs you, yeah, it costs you one mana. So. And, and you drew a card to replace it, yeah. Yep. And then, of course, red is very good at just getting things into the graveyard because of Thrill of Possibilities and Faithless Looting. Yeah. And if you notice that we mentioned those two cards a lot, it's probably because they're very good, and you should play them in a lot of red decks. I think those get underrated by newer players because it doesn't look like you've gained much advantage. But just choosing what it is that you're putting into your graveyard is very powerful. So good. Yeah, even if you're never getting anything back from your graveyard, it's often just a land. Like, I have too many lands in my hand, and if yeah. you build your decks well, you're trying not to miss land drops which means sometimes you get glutted with lands and these allow you to just, you know, turn those lands into potential other cards. What does that feel like? <laughs> and then, of course, you're putting a lot of lands in your graveyard. You're discarding lands. You've got all these ways to get lands into the graveyard before you cast Soul of Windgrace and after. Crucible of Worlds, Ramonef Excavator allow you to play those lands out of your graveyard. Ancient Green Warden as well does the same thing. Uh, little, the original Lord Windsgrace, the Planeswalker will get lands out of your graveyard. I mean, and now we're in the realm of like just the regular Lands Matter deck. <laughs> now we're just playing a Lord Windgrace deck. Yeah, kind of. And of course, all the Lands Matter decks, they want to play additional lands, especially when you've got fetch lands and things that are just going to continuously go to your graveyard and you can play them with Crucible of Worlds. So Azusa, Dryad of the Elysian Grove, Exploration, there's a million cards like this, Wayward Swordtooth and everything else that allow you to just now you're playing two, three, four lands per turn. Getting ahead of everyone. Yeah. Grace ramped you as well, and you have lands discard and play it from the graveyard. Yeah, you just have a lot of options here. Now This deck is running, like, what, 45 lands? Yeah, probably, because you need to have lands in hand to discard, so you never want to be without some lands in your hand. Yeah, so 45 yeah. is probably where you want to be yeah, at. Yeah, your lands are, like, spells almost in the way now. So now you have your land engine going, right? Like, I got plenty of them. I can play a lot of them. I can play them from my graveyard. I can get them out of my graveyard. How do you turn that into a win because it can easily become like that enchantress deck we were talking yeah. about jimmy and a lot of the ways that decks do this is like with landfall triggers so you're playing lotus cobra you know but more importantly things like rampaging Bayloth, scoot swarm things that like uh, now yeah. my landfall starts to turn into tokens or big creatures or a billion scoot swarms yeah things that allow me to start to turn that into winning the game you weaponize the this merry-go-round of like land in hand land in graveyard land on battlefield right, right. you're just doing that merry-go-round and you weaponize it um another way to weaponize it with it's interesting and maybe a little different than you know not the exact same at least as all other lands matter decks is this is a discard themed land matter deck yeah so the discard themed payoff cards could be good like bone miser surly badger sore mm. these are cards that say when you discard a card you get some kind of value off of it um you get extra mana you get tokens you kill things whatever right right yeah and then of course like get rock monster seems like probably the best card in the deck yeah because every time a land enters your battlefield from anywhere you draw a card get rock play an additional land Gitrog's already a CEDH broken level card. Uh, so if you didn't want to build that broken deck, but just want to put that in here as like a quote unquote fair card in the deck, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, for con- sure. Containment Construct. Yeah, new card from Kamigo and Neon Dynasty. It's two mana. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile it from your graveyard. If you do, you can play that card this turn. So that includes your lands. Yeah, so you discard to Soul of One Grace's ability. You get an effect. And then you just play that as your land drop for turn. Then it attacks. You already had another land in your graveyard. Put that on the battlefield. Tapped. Yeesh. Uh, discard synergy like Archfiend of Ifnir, which whenever you cycle or discard a card, you put it negative one negative one counter 
counter on each creature your opponents control. Yeah, was, and you will be playing cycling lands and things like that. Okay. Yeah. So I, mean, I think simple. this deck, yeah, is is very powerful um, and and is very cool. These are fun decks to play. I think most players like have a lands deck these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if this is if you don't have one or you really like that archetype, I think this is going to be right up there with the rest of them. But it's not like uh, breaking a ton of new ground. I don't have one. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Oh, man. Oh, what? I, I right boomeranged back. it. It was in the exact <laughs> spot. Can't do it twice. Couldn't do it twice. Nah, thank goodness. <laughs> if he did, then I would be like, deja vu. What'd you say? All over again. Um, we're in the Matrix. All right. Uh, next up, it's time for another blue-white legendary. I've talked a lot about blue-white legendaries in the past. I'm just realizing that I must have thrown my last page because I don't have it anymore. Oh, you don't? Yeah. Here, we can share. Uh, we'll share later. Okay. okay, okay All right. Okay. <laughs> Um, you have what four left? Oh, this is an important story character that we're on too. Is it? Uh oh, I don't know that. Oh, wait, I have your last page. Oh, that's, that's why. why. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you stole it. Yeah, that's right. You were being paranoid, like Sten, paranoid partisan. <laughs> so this is another entry into my lexicon of what the heck does blue white do outside of being pure stacks or pure flyers and just control. card draw control? Yeah, uh, and I think this actually is one of those cards that is very flexible. It's actually one of the better entries into the lexicon. This is them saying we don't know what it does either. You, you- figure it out, but this. <laughs> Well, this will interact with almost any strategy you want to come up with. Yeah, so it's white and blue for a 2-2 human wizard. As Sten enters the battlefield, choose a card type other than creature or land. And spells you cast of the chosen type cost one less to cast. And then you can pay one white and a blue to exile Sten and return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Oh. So you can reset the ability for three mana. So um, if you said instance and you're like, man, I got a lot of sorceries in my hand. Yeah, and you'd be like, maybe I just built the deck wrong. I'll just exit yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so you could flicker it over and over again. Uh, this is a two-mana commander, so this actually, I think, has a lot of flexibility to also be a competitive commander, which some people are talking about. Um, so yeah, Just reducing the cost on stuff in CEDH seems good. quite good, yeah. Um, especially because this acts as... Uh, well, let's first talk about the sort of turn order. So turns one, two, and three are both are all very important for Sten decks because some decks can play this on turn one with like a one of the Chrome Moxes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Most decks will play play on turn two and turn three, you're going to have the effect. Start getting the discount. Yeah, even turn two, right? Yeah. So all of those turns will be affected potentially by Sten's ability and what you choose for its effects. So typically, I think artifacts are yeah. going to be your number one choice. And then you have instants and sorceries, um, but artifacts are the best because some artifacts cost one mana, and then you can play them for free. It reduces it to zero. There's yeah. not very many instant sorceries that just cost don't, ha- don't have colored color mana, mana in there. In yeah, yeah. yeah. So Sten in an artifact deck basically gives you the same discount as a Foundry Inspector, which costs three mana, but now you get down on two. So this instantly combos with Sensei's Divining Top, which costs one, and Reality Chip, which once it is attached to a creature, you can play lands and cast spells from the top of your library. So you have Reality Chip on Sten, uh, Sensei's Divining Top, top for free, free. tap it, draw a card, put the top back on top of your deck, cast it it for free, free. you can draw your whole deck out. Yep. Um, And... If you're in that sort of artifact build, then this is another effect that's like Cloud Key or Ethereum Sculptor that's going to just give you a huge discount. And a um, lot of like artifact decks, especially combo ones, are trying to get to the point where like their two and three drop artifacts are free, and then they can really just start going nuts. Yeah, and then you're just dumping everything on you using s- Scrap Troll or the reason. I mean, you just watch Josh's deck from yeah, the, Gate. Yeah, the CLB right. episode, you see me start to do sort of similar things, yeah. Yeah, so Sten just allows you to do that faster um, because it's, again, a two-mana spell that you can probably play on turn one in the right deck. Um, and then if you're going to go, say, like, Instance or Sorceries, then you have cards like Snap, 
which now just costs mm. one blue mana to return the creature to its owner's hand. You can untap up to two lands. Oh, so you gain mana on it. Same with Frantic Search. You can untap up to three lands, now for two mana. And if you're doing some sort of storm build, then Brain Freeze just costs one blue, and you're because of the discount, right? You're just spell slinging over and over and over again. Um, and that might be a way to try and win the game from there. Mm-hmm. Solve the equation is a sorcery. Again, you can't choose instant stand sorceries. You have to choose instant or sorcery. Uh, solve the equation is just a new tutor for spells. Um, time Warp now costs four mana. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, and then you have enchantments. These aren't as exciting if you want to name them a Sten, because I think they're just... They're more. It's just more about getting a little bit of value. So then, like on turn, not, yeah, it's hard to turn this into something completely broken. It's just like yeah, or even that powerful. Honestly, it's just twenty five percent more efficient. Yeah, and then what is your enchant? Is your deck entirely enchantments? Probably not. Um, so you have like stand on turn two means smothering tide on turn three to fairies angels inside on turn three anointed procession on turn three. There's a lot of powerful four drops, so that's why I include the enchantment category. Got it. If you want to get there. You can also go Super Friends. You can name Planeswalkers. So there are 73 playable Planeswalkers in blue, white, or colorless. Wow. But they're all over the place. They're all to fairies. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? You have a Tezzeret and then a Johnny. And those two Planeswalkers couldn't be more different in terms of what they're trying to do. <laughs> um, so it might take some configuring to make it into a workable deck. So if you want to go like a creature deck with Planeswalkers, don't forget, Stan can't reduce creature costs. So you would be like heavy Planeswalkers with some creatures, maybe. You could do Wandering Empire, Elspeth Sun's Champion. If you want to go Control, then it is is teferi time just play all 17 teferis yeah so teferi time raveler and displacer kitten is also one that could potentially go infinite if you have a soul ring because you cast the soul ring you tap it for two displacer kitten is going to exile teferi it's going to bounce it and then you return the soul ring to your hand draw card play the soul ring for free tap it for two oh, displacer kitten is going to just bounce teferi again draw your whole deck mm. um yeah and then you know you have like narset parter veils whatever there's a lot to choose from so how to win that is the question always with Azorius, isn't it? Yep. Did you come up with an answer? Not really. <laughs> I never have really either. You got propaganda, ghostly know. prison, you fly over. That's not how to win. Or you go enter the battlefield, flicker value with some tricky protection spells. Like you got your Bragos out there. Uh, you could also just do pure stacks with an infinite combo that we talked about. Yep. And just end it with Thoracol. Um Shorkai. I usually win my Shorkai de- games as a token deck. There you go. I think this actually works well in Shorkai because it's a reducer for yeah, your for artifacts. artifacts yeah. yeah, it would be good in Brago. It would be good in Denry Klin, which is a new card as well. So a lot of potentials to fit Sten into a deck. And I think it's one of those things where if you're playing Sten as the commander, you need to choose what is the thing you're going to reduce the cost of. They're going to be the most in your deck. If it's in another deck, you can draw Sten, look at your hand and go, sorceries, play it, name it cheaper but probably if stands in another deck you want your deck in general to have one category yeah artifacts instant sorceries that you clearly like know that it's going to be good because the last thing you want to do is like play them naming a thing that you've only got seven of in your deck yeah then you get a one mana reduction one time so i think it's just not worth a card like you should play anything else yeah it only makes sense in brago because then you can flicker at every turn and then choose something new based on your hand um but otherwise yeah if it's in a shortcut deck you're probably naming artifacts yeah so, yeah, that's then in a nutshell. Uh, you get to choose the direction to go with it, but at the end, you still have a lot of trouble winning. <laughs> Just like your average Azorius deck. Yeah. Now, I do have an Azorius deck, and the Shurikai deck is quite good, but yeah. But that's because Shurikai itself is just it's, like, you get to do a lot. And does give you the win con of like, because if you just make 12 one ones, that's a way to win eventually. And draw 50 cards as yeah. a result, yeah. All right. Good old Sten. Now we're up to Varric Warped Sangir. This is another interesting one, but one that maybe reads a little better than it ends up being. (laughs) 
Um, I like this one a lot. Yeah, it reads really cool, and then you start looking into it, and you realize, similar to Radadrabic, uh, there's not as many options for it as you think. So, Varric Warped Sengir is one, a white, and a black for a 2-2 vampire. Has flying, death touch, and lifelink. So, it is a vampire nighthawk, except with an additional ability. Whenever you activate an ability that isn't a mana ability, if life was paid to activate it, you may pay that much life again. If you do copy that ability, you may choose new targets for the copy. Okay. So this is Orzhov activated abilities where you pay life matter. The biggest thing immediately that everyone noticed when they read Varric is that fetch lands and the fetch lands we're talking about are like what are commonly referred to as fetch lands where you pay a life mm-hmm. and then go search your library for, a, well, that's paying a life, which means you'll go search your library for two lands. For two life. Hey. That is insane. Yeah. Crack a fetch land, get two lands for two life. You're ramping. That's zero mana ramping growths. Pretty good. And the rampant ghosts find shock lands and dual lands and have lands and triumphs, right? Not triumphs for Varric. Oh, yeah, right. He's only a dual. Well, whatever. They find better than basic lands. I mean, maybe Varric goes into a deck where you're constantly cracking fetch lands. Like, would you pay a life, one life, Jimmy, for a rampant growth? Absolutely. No mana? Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me? If everyone in my fetch lands said, get two lands, pay two life? That's insane. That is nuts, yeah. Fetch lands would be worth even more than they are now. Yeah. (laughs) So that's one of the... probably the single best thing about Varak is like you're just going to have a lot of mana if you have all the fetch lands and you know that are available yeah. and can put them in the deck and then of course because you're going to be like doing that you're going to want to replay those fetch lands so crucible of worlds now goes in this deck and then you can do the old trick that i used to talk about which is like savine's reclamation you have a couple fetch lands you get them back out with savine's reclamation it's a lot better when they are worth two more lands on the battlefield right yeah totally and you and then you, that gives you the extra mana to flash back savine's reclamation so after a couple of turns, I I don't think it's going to be crazy to just have more lands than even like a, a lands deck has. This is a white black deck, by the way. This is very unusual. Yeah, and then you can also play the brought backs of the world and the cosmic interventions, which if you can save up a couple of fetch lands, crack them on the same turn, get four lands into play. Remember, those oh lands are untapped because you know polluted delta brings lands into play untapped. Yeah, you know now brought back brings back the two land, fetch lands again. You do it again. That's eight lands in one turn. From a brought back that costs you two mana. In white black. Leave Woo-hoo! yeah. So there's a lot of nutso things as far as that's concerned. So that alone does make very very powerful. But then you start looking at the life paying abilities on other cards that you're gonna now yeah. try and copy. So there are somewhere around twenty to twenty-five cards in these colors that have activated abilities. Remember, it has to be activated. It can't be triggered. So right. you can't say when or whenever or whatever. This is like you... Yeah, pay to life, da, 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 colon, do this thing. Yeah. And that's not very many. 20 to 25, right? Like, if all of them are good, you could put all those in the deck, and we usually say around 25 of something, you have a theme, and you're built around it now. Right. And a lot of the pay life things are just not that great. So, like, regenerate a creature. Well, mm. let's say it says two life to regenerate a creature. How much valuable... Is it to pay two more life and regenerate it twice? Yeah, you're not going to do it twice. You don't need the second one, right? Look, look at Aetherflux Reservoir. That has a pay life 
thing. Pay 50 life. <laughs> Deal 50 damage to target creature. Well, guess um, what? You can already pay 50 life and do it again if you want to. Right. You don't need to. You don't need to copy it with Varric. So there's a, there's a pay life ability that like Varric doesn't interact with very well. Uh, Varric like, well. Yeah. <laughs> there's stuff like Unspeakable Symbol, which you pay three life and you put a 1-1 counter on target creature. But, but you could just yeah. do it again. Yeah. Yeah. You can already copy that if you want to. Um, then it also does not work with mana abilities. Mm. So things like Blood Celebrant, which is pay a back, black and a life and create a mana of any color. Well, you can't do that twice. Oh, because it's a mana ability. Yeah. Yeah. Old school Boseju. You know, pay a life, add one mana, and it makes your instant or sorcery that you cast with it uh, untar- uncounterable. Can't do that. Right. All the mana lord, pay a life, get add a mana, mana, make something haste. Can't, can't do, that. do it. Pay so, three life in that case. Yeah. So you really whittle it down, and there's not as many as you think there would be. What you're really looking for are pay life abilities that have another other costs plus the pay life. So now you, when you pay the extra life to copy it, the other costs are your stuff you're not paying. Uh, and that's where you're sort of getting a reduction on costs and getting a savings and sort of, you know, breaking the card as it were. So let's go through some of those abilities. There's card draw. Everyone's stuff like favorite. Underworld Connections. You, ta- you uh, enchant a land, and then you tap the land and pay one life and draw a card. And this ah. is actually saving you on the tapping of the land. Right. Because you couldn't tap it twice unless you could untap it somehow. And also, it kind of virtually costs you a mana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now it's tap a land, pay two life, draw two cards. Okay. But it makes that way better than before. Greed, Erebos, Argos, Bloodfast all cost mana plus life to draw a card. Now it's mana plus more life to draw twice as many cards, but... Your life is going to be dipping yeah. in this deck, so you have to put some life gain in there. <laughs> but one thing we know is life instead of mana is just one of the more powerful things you can ever do, and a lot of cards that do that are banned or like considered like Kyrick and things considered very powerful. Right. Channel, right, right, right. Uh, War Room's another one you pay life. Uh, Equal to your commander's uh, colors and the commander's mana cost. Yep, so that could sort of help you on the mana that you have to pay. You couldn't tap War Room twice. Right. Again, there's stuff like um, Recursion, uh, Yogmoth. Oh, sorry. Yogmoth's removal. Sorry. Recursion is Priest of Fell. Yogmoth is pay a life draw or sack, sack creature. creature. Put a 1 1 counter on target creature and draw a card. Oh, yeah, so card can, draw and removal. Yeah, so you only need to sacrifice one creature and you pay two life to do two things and draw two cards. Yeah, so anytime you're skipping an extra sacrifice of a creature, that seems very yeah, good. Yeah, Yogmoth is now the best card in the deck. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So that was meant under the card draw category. And now we move on to the recursion category. There's Priest of Fell Rights. You tap it, pay three life, sacrifice the priest, return target creature card from your river to the back battlefield, activate only as a sword get two creatures onto the, from the graveyard onto the battlefield six life yep and then it has unearthed so you could do it again yeah and, yeah you know later chainer the original which is play black 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 and three life and then you put a uh, creature card from your graveyard onto the battlefield the yeah yeah so three mana and six life get two creatures mm-hmm. uh strands of night is an enchantment you pay black black and two life sacrifice a swamp return target creature from your graveyard to the to the battlefield well, it gets a lot better when it's only sacrificed one swamp, not two, to get two creatures. Okay. Um, yeah. So then there's stuff like there's removal stuff, sinister concoction. You pay a life, sack it, uh, put the top card of your library in your graveyard, and then destroy target creature. Okay. Or sorry, discard a card and sacrifice sinister concoction. That's a lot well. of yeah. That's a bit. But if you do, the, if it's black, pay a life, mill a card, sack it, discard a card, but destroy two creatures. Yeah. Not the worst. Villas Broker of Blood is kind of a payoff for um, paying life in general because you draw that many cards and also oh, has, yeah yeah also has black pay two life target creature gets negative one negative one so now it's black pay pay four life 
Target creature gets negative one, negative one twice, and then draw four cards. Okay, pretty good. Villas is an eight drop, though, so of course you'd expect to be good. Font of Agonies is a removal spell that also gets counters as you pay life for anything, mm-hmm. and then you pay one in a black and remove four counters from the Font of Agonies to destroy a creature. So you're paying so much life in this deck that it's not crazy that Font of Agonies will just be at any time pay two mana, destroy anything. You just have enough counters. Right, right, right. So then there's finally the curious case of Kirik. I like this. Good title. Which some people call Crick. Um, so Kirik is very interesting with Varric and, and sort of single-handedly makes it the whole deck sort of more interesting. Mm-hmm. Because Kirik has this weird ability that says for each black mana in a cost, including activated abilities, you may pay two life rather than pay that mana. Oh, okay. So it's alternative. It changes the casting. Cost. Yeah. So it turns all black mana symbols... Into Phyrexian mana, right. black mana symbols, right? So, for instance, Sir Conrad, if Sir Conrad's on the battlefield and Kirik is on the battlefield as well, Sir Conrad's ability normally reads one and a black, each player mills a card. Well, Kirik makes it read one and a Phyrexian black, each player mills a card. Mm. So, if you choose to pay the black with the life, now you're paying one and two life for each player mills a card. Well, Varric says, oh, you paid life for an activated ability. You can double it. You can double it. So, now it's one for life, each player mills two cards. Okay. Because of the, you know, replacement effects or alternate costs on both of the things. That means like attrition, which normally says black, sack a creature, destroy target non-black creature. Now says pay two life, sack a, sorry, pay four life, sack a creature, destroy two non-black creatures. Okay. Even cycling works because that is an activated ability. Oh, he's cycling for just two life instead on Baronmore. Yeah, so Baronmore usually says pay a black, cycle it. Now it says pay four life, discard it, draw two cards because discard's part of the cost. Right. Yeah. So, Kirik easily the best card in this deck. The problem is if you build around Kirik's ability mm-hmm. and it's oh I'm going to put a bunch of activated abilities that require black mana. That's in a non-bow with the rest of your commander. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're like, well, what if I don't get Kirik or they kill it or they exile it or something? And now all of a sudden all these other things. I mean, Baronmore is still fine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you want Sir Conrad in your deck? Uh, so anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. I think Varric is cool and going to be a cool deck, but it doesn't have as much um, variety of what you're going to be able to do. So probably there's going right. to be a certain, a couple of very powerful things, and you're mostly going to see that just from lack of other options. I know what I'm going to do. What's that? Just get eight lands out and then play Torment of Hailfire by like turn yeah, exactly. five. <laughs> just like, all I'm going to do is the fetch land part of it. Yeah, I'm that just seems use real Varric as a ramp spell. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah or the white black one that brings you back life when you cast it because yep. the name of that one but, yeah. and that will that alone is actually pretty powerful and interesting and may make it so the deck is just like an Orzhov deck yeah and Varric is just like all Varric really says is you're gonna have a ton of lands in play could you maybe make this another Shadowborn Apostles deck interesting because there is that demon that you want to fetch out right if you could maybe Villas get Villas or Ra- Ra- Razakath Razakath pretty yeah. well too yeah maybe yeah, just to have the extra mana, it's it, yeah, it doesn't give you the recursion on the Shadowborn Apostles. But if you did get With Kirik, Athreos, yeah, yeah, you could double get two uh, demons. I don't know. I think I'd keep Athreos for the recursion, but you never know. Yeah, never know. All right, we're on to the last one here, um, and this one I'm going to take as well because I almost built this deck for game. Yeah, next. you almost got there. It's an interesting card. Um, yeah, I decided the path that I was going down and the path that kind of wants you to go down is mean, <laughs> and that's kind of why I pivoted to Torwaki. I'll read the card. Yep. It is Zer, Eternal Schemer. By the way, when we did the alphabet thing, I didn't think we'd guaranteed hit a Z. Yeah, and to Z. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, it's white, blue, black for a 1-4 legendary creature flying human wizard. Enchantment creatures you control have death touch, lifelink, and hexproof. 
and then you can pay one in the white. Target non-aura enchantment you control becomes a creature in addition to its other types and has base power and base toughness, each equal to its mana value. So if you have a four mana enchantment out, you pay one in the white, it becomes a four four. And it has death touch length link, lifelink, and hexproof thanks to Zer. And another important thing to note is Zer does not say until end of turn. That's right. So it becomes a creature quote unquote permanently. Yeah. There's Unless no... you flicker it or find another way to return to the battlefield. Yep, there's new... there's no um, time limitation on it. Okay. All right, so there's gonna be an enchant uh, enchantment deck, right? Like Zer doesn't care about any other type but enchantment. Uh, non-aura. Non-aura enchantment, yep. So you're gonna play your Mesa Enchantress. Probably things like Sigil of the Empty of the Empty Throne, yep. Starfield Mystic, normal white Enchantress cards. There aren't as many blue and black ones, uh, but there is the Constellation mechanic which exists, and Black is pretty good at it. So Doomwake Giants, which gives creatures uh, your opponent's control negative one, negative one until them turn whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield. Constellation is just Very a mechanic good, that yeah. cares about enchantments entering. Uh, Underworld Coinsmith is kind of like a what is that a Draws you a card. Well, whenever another enchantment enters the battlefield under control, you gain a life. That's oh, like a soul life. sister, but yeah, for enchantments. Sister, yeah. uh, also has activated ability to drain opponents, or sorry, to just make them lose one life. Yeah, and you have to pay a life to do it. <laughs> yeah, it works for Varric as well, but not great. Oh, that's funny, yeah. Um, then, of course, you can play creatures that are, are enchantments that are already creatures, and Zur just will give them the stuff, the right. death touch, the lifelink, and the hexproof. And some of these are going to be very good, like Archetype of Courage, right? Gets... All your creatures first strike. Oh, death touch as yep. well. Oof. So all your creatures block forever, are impossible to block, can't be attacked basically without flyers. Yeah. You're worried about flyers, you can play Archetype of Imagination, an enchantment creature that gives all your stuff flying and takes flying away from all your opponents. Yeah. That means that now if you have you know, any number of enchantment creatures out, it's going to be very hard to attack you because they are going to lose the creatures because of the death touch. Yeah, they have to kill Zer. Yeah. Um, Aegis of the Gods is a really good one. One in white for a two-one. You have hexproof, mm. and because Zer gives the Aegis hexproof, it's really hard to get through to you because they have to kill Zer, then the Aegis, <laughs> then, then you, yeah, then, then you with the spell. If the, they need to target you, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, Nykthos Paragon is a six mana four-six, but whenever you gain life, you may put a one-one counter on each creature you control. Oof. Do this only once each turn. Well, remember, all your stuff gets lifelink. All your enchantment creatures, yeah. Um, and then, of and course, by the way, if you have Archetype of Courage. First strike damage. Oh, no, I was going to say, because you could first no, yeah. strike, give you're it right. everything. But right. all your creatures have Oh, right, you're right. Yeah, it can't <laughs> be like, double strike. he hits you first, and everyone gets buff, and then hits you normally. If you had double strike, it would work. Yeah, double strike. Yeah. yeah. There's, uh, like, conviction and whatever. There's a couple of mono-white double strike cards. Um, and then, of course, the next category I'm calling Gods Help Us, because gods have indestructible. Yeah. Uh, but they don't, the Theros gods, don't turn into creatures unless you have devotion high enough or if you use Zer on them yep so if ah. you they are enchantments so if you activate Zer and say well heliod Suncrown is now a creature regardless of my devotion now heliod will be a three three because it will be a creature that's cmc's or that's power and toughness is equal to its mana value oh okay it shrinks it yeah but that doesn't matter like now you've got an indestructible lifelink hex proof <laughs> death <laughs> right which also has a very relevant ability. Heliod cares about life gain. Right. We'll put 1-1 one, one counters on creatures when you gain life. So Heliod Suncrown seems very, very good. You don't have to put the Walking Ballista combo yeah. if you don't want to. You can. Uh, Thassa, God of the Sea. Oh, it makes them unblockable, and that's pretty good, too. Yep. Not that they're going to get blocked anyway. <laughs> Athreos gives them some amount of recursion. One thing I've learned from playing Athreos is you will get creatures back. People don't like to pay that three life. Um, mm. So you'll get your enchantments back if you've turned them into creatures. The gods are very good, but they're not 
super broken, often you don't want your gods to turn into creatures because now they're susceptible to Path of Exiles and things like that. Yeah. It is better when the gods are just kind of incidentally, their abilities are not what you're building around. You're like, oh, the ability's good, but really it's indestructible. So now I don't care as much if they die. Right. It's Ooh, not, interesting. Yeah. But it is an interesting tug and pull there. Uh, I don't think it makes it's broken in any way. Okay. Um, it's really, you know, non-creature, non-aura that where we get interesting. Right, because this is stuff where it's like, okay, well, where is it interesting to make an enchantment into a creature or make it into a creature with death touch or something like that? Mm -hmm. And like pestilence is very interesting to make into a creature with death touch. So it becomes a four four. Yep. And it says at end of turn, if there are no creatures, you sacrifice pestilence, so it itself will stop it from being sacrificed now that it's a creature. And then you can pay a black and it deals one damage to each creature in each player. So with death touch, one black. Wipe the board. Wipe the board. However, we're still pestilence and Zer. <laughs> so you need to, but you're in white. Maybe you can give indestructible or something like that. Yeah. Um, in which case, pestilence will stick around. Also has lifelinks. So wait, wait, pestilence, activate it to fairy's protection. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I don't know about that. You activate it like 16 times. Yeah, there you and go. And then to fairy's protection. <laughs> Remember, has lifelink. So, right, you're gonna gain a ton of life, yeah. Although, I guess maybe it won't when it resolves if you do the to, to fair, oh, yeah, because your life totally can't change and it won't have death touch at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. you want to do like no, one of your stuff phases out, so Zer won't be there. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, never mind. Uh, forget everything I said, but give it indestructible, yeah, there you go, right? Give it, um, have Avacyn out or something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Withering Wisps is just another pestilence. Light Mind Field, I think, is a little bit better, although will be annoying. It's two white whites for enchantment whenever one or more creatures attack, Light Mind Field field deals damage to each of the creatures equal to the number of attacking creatures oh so it has death touch so no matter what i see if anyone attacks the creatures they're attacking with are going die. to die that's fun that counts you too though so not the best i was thinking like well okay what makes pestilence withering wisps and light mind field good because yes if you get avicen out and have indestructible you'll be able to do this stuff but you have avicen out right like pestilence with death touch is a little cute at that point you've cast an eight mana angel yeah <laughs> So I thought, I was looking for something that gives protection uh, from the color. So Righteous War actually seems pretty good. It's oh. one, a white, and a black for an enchantment. All creatures you control gain protection from black, and all creatures... Oh, uh, black. So all, all white creatures get protection from black, and all black creatures get protection from white. Okay. <laughs> so now you could Pestilence... And Zer wouldn't die. Because it has pro-black Yeah, and, and you could light minefield, and again, you could attack with some of your creatures. Okay. Because your black ones would be protection from white. Is this from Visions? Uh, sure. Yeah, I wow. think it is. With the, yeah. What a, what a classic set. So that's kind of a cheap way, maybe, if you had enough uh, Pestilence-style effects, you could, um, you know, have those kind of work. Yeah. And you're in white and black, so you can maybe, you know, tutor for the Righteous War. Again, we don't generally like tutors ourselves, but... People do play them. Okay. Speaking of double strike, Jimmy, Duelist Heritage. There you go. Very good in this deck. Yeah. yeah. So two in the white, whenever one or more creatures have attack, you may have target attack creature gain double strike until the end of turn. So that seems pretty cool. Yeah. Duelist Heritage itself could become a creature, could attack, could get double strike, has death touch. Lifelink. Yeah. That's then, all. And you also get to give it to your opponents when you feel like, like hey, if you attack. Oh, interesting. You know, yeah, yeah. I'll give it double strike. Yep. Um, and then I think this is just kind of good with uh, enchantments that have an effect but otherwise wouldn't do much mm -hmm. because think of i'm thinking of how this game is going to play out and i think a lot of it is going to be you're going to have some enchantments that are good but not insane not it's not obvious that you wouldn't be willing to uh have them be blockers with death touch in front of your opponent's creatures but you haven't activated zur yet you just have the mana up oh so you can just wait so if i have blind obedience or confounding conundrum up and two mana 
and it's your turn and you have an attack, you can't attack me. Right. Because it's pretty obvious that Confounding Conundrum was probably worth trading for your Timna or something, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a card that when it enters the battlefield, draws, draws a card. It's a two-mana artifact, or sorry, two-mana enchantment. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if that player had a, another land enter the battlefield under control this turn, they return a land they control to its owner's hand. So oh, it just nice. stops fetch land, stops uh, all this green ramp stuff, right? Which you're not going to have access to because you're not in those colors. And that card's not always good, but it's it cantripped and now can turn into a death touch lifelink or hexproof. Yeah. And also, if it is annoying to your opponent, if they're playing the Soul of Windgrace deck, well, it's really hard to get rid of Compounding Conundrum because I can give it hexproof at instant speed. For two mana. Same with the very annoying enchantments with Rhystic Dice, Mothering Tithe. So you just say, oh, someone goes to remove it, turn it into a creature, has hexproof, bounces, or fizzles the spell. So as long as you have two mana up, they just can't try stuff against you, right? Can't attack you. Yeah. Can't try to remove stuff. Super annoying. Enchanted Evening seems like a shoe-in in this deck. All permanents are enchantments in addition to their other types. I mean, oh, at any point, just because of the hexproof. I mean, that's... Don't turn your lands into enchantment creatures because they come zero zeros and die. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. But your lands are not usually getting targeted, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it really shows, I think, that the hexproof is really the most important part of this whole thing that Xur does. Mm-hmm. Because just making it hard to kill th- things is annoying and tough. And enchantments in particular are already hard to kill. Yeah. And often take over the game. And now you make them hexproof. Yeah, they've, especially if they waste a removal spell on it too. That's rough. Speaking of removal, you know, White has all these enchantment-based removals cards like Grasp of Fate, Cast Out, all these Oblivion Ring variants. They even yeah, got yeah. Board Wipes. Out of Time, have you played against Out of Time yet? No. It's, oh my God, this card is it's so, so annoying, good. Right? Yeah. It's uh, one White White for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield... Untap all creatures, then phase them out until end of time leaves the battlefield. Put a time counter on out of time for each creature phased out this way, and then it has vanishing. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter from this enchantment. When the last one is removed, sacrifice it. But it could have like 15 uh, time counters. Even five is just like, it's over. You're never, like, unless you destroy it, it's not ending for the whole game, and it gets commanders. Oh, right. Because it's phase out and. Phasing out is not something where you can put it into your command zone. They have to be able to remove it. So when somebody out of times and you're like playing Corvold or something, your deck's just turned off. Yeah, interesting. So this is a way to give out of time hexproof. Mm -hmm. You know, pretty brutal. Consulate Crackdown is a sort of... Similar. Yeah, artifact version of out of time. Not not as good. Out out of time is insane if you've played with it or against it. Uh, If you haven't, take a look at it. Um, and then, of course, all the Pillow Fort stuff, Sphere of Safety, Propaganda, Ghostly Prison. And this is where we start to get into the realm of, like, the powerful version of this deck, I think, is powerful but mean. It's kind control. of... Control! Like, yeah, control and stacks, right? Yeah. And a stasis that has Hexproof is just... That's backbreaking. Yeah, that's just brutal. Rising Waters is... People don't... It's like a Winter Orb, kind of, that you could give Hexproof to. Or of Silence, give it mm-hmm. Hexproof. Stony Silence, give it Hexproof. Frozen Ether. That, this could be a version of the deck that's just built around stacks. And giving hexproof to the enchantments that they would otherwise try to remove. That's brutal. Yeah. And I think that's probably the most powerful version. And then you just win with the stasises and the aura of silence is like eventually attacking because you turn them into creatures. Yep. Um, so normally you would have to like play all that stuff and then find a way to win. And this one you're just like, well, I'll just turn them into creatures and win when none of my opponents can do anything because they can't untap their lands or whatever. Yeah. Is that why you didn't build it? Yep. <laughs> It was all removal spells, and I was like, well, I can't play any of the stack spells. Does, yeah, I was going to say, and I that would be pretty annoying if you land, like, three powerful enchantments that no one can touch. Yeah, I just found myself built. And the Pestilence thing, I don't want to do that on game nights, like, no. right? Yeah. So it's just like, well, <laughs> none of the cool things that this commander can do are things I want to do on the show. 
Anyway, all right, that's N through Z. That is the second half of the multicolored set here, uh, not including the monocolors or the uncommons and not the box toppers that are still to come. But we get to recap a little bit here and talk about our favorite and our most powerful commanders that we consider from this episode specifically. Yeah, let's first, you know, what are our favorite command? What is our favorite commander? Just one from this episode. Jimmy, what's yours? Uh, I really like Shannon, Sleeper's Courage. Uh, it's either that or Rith, because I love dragons, but Shannon is just every single legendary thing draws you a card. That's pretty darn good. Seems like Mardu needs a little bit of help, too, and I think this is a great entry into the Mardu sort of world. Yeah, and I actually like that the Menace thing kind of gives you some cards that yeah. you haven't played with that, you know, it's maybe not 20 new cards, but like 7, 8, cards that are like oh that's menace tribal i can put these in they make sense yeah and it doesn't totally take away from the deck's power at all yeah to do so yeah i like that uh for me i think ratadrabic seems cool i mm-hmm. think there's some interesting things you can do with it uh i wish there was a few more good etb and dies <laughs> legendaries but it's i think there's over enough. time you never know and i think there's enough that you can do some cool stuff and it'll be fun as long as you don't put sadisi in the deck i think i would have to build it without sadisi because it com- becomes too so good yeah yeah too good with sadisi yeah uh, um, most powerful commanders from this episode i am gonna go with Varric because i want to fetch and get tons of lands i think that's pretty good that alone especially in white and black you've never seen something like that before it's funny how just that if you if it didn't even un- interact with creature activated abilities at all, if it was just the fetch line thing, it would be very powerful. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's especially with brought back, Avenge Reclamation, all that stuff. You could you could ramp out faster than most decks, I think. Yeah, I think that's true. And it's a three mana commander, so you can get that pretty early. Yeah, not a ton. I think on this episode that are like really high power level. I didn't feel like anything is like a shoe in CDH. Maybe Sten is up there, but that's Sten's up there. But yeah. just because you can CDH shell any two CMC. Uh, yeah, you know, and it gives legendary you a creature that's got blue in it. Yeah, yeah. so um, it's, it's all kind of there. I think Zer maybe is what I would say, just because the stacks version of Zer, and I'm not advocating building that, but if you did, I think that would be quite powerful and might, yeah. might be up there. Especially if you optimized it, for sure. Yeah. All right, to the listeners, what new commander out of this bunch do you are you the most excited to build? What sweet tech did you see uh, for any of these that you think we missed or, you know... Just didn't mention there's a lot i'm sure we missed something yeah so let us know in the comments you can tag us on twitter you can post wherever we'll see it and uh we'll uh make sure to read it all right make sure <laughs> that if you want to get your hands on any of these cards any of the ones from dominator united or any of the cards that we were talking about that go inside the decks that you go to channelfireball.com slash command your magic players you're gonna buy magic cards you may as well use our affiliate link when you do it you'll be supporting the content you enjoy when you get while you get the cards for the decks that you want to build of course, Dominaria United, sealed product, bundles, collectors, boosters, all that stuff is up for sale right now. Channelfireball.com slash command, the best place to go to get all your magic stuff. And of course, when you get those cards, sleeve them up, keep them protected. Josh and I have been trusting Ultra Pro for almost our entire lives. I still have plastic top loaders from when I was like 10 years old, and they still function. So I Ultra still, Pro. Yeah, I have one from, I have a Michael Jordan rookie card. What? You know? Nice. Yeah. In an Ultra Pro case, and it's yeah. just been chilling. That's yeah. awesome. Since I was like, I don't know, eight. That's amazing. <laughs> Ultra Pro, they've been making the best in the business for a very long time. They know exactly what they're doing, and it's going to come with the art and the styling that you love, whether you want theme sleeves or a playmat or a wall scroll or whatever it is, you can go to ultrapro.com slash command. They have a brand new shop with tons of deals all the time. You can buy any of the new stuff that's out. You can get some cool secret layer play mats with art that you're never going to see printed anywhere else. Whatever it is, you are going to find it on the Ultra Pro website. ultrapro.com slash command. Check it out. And and of course, if you go to your local game store and see Ultra Pro product there as well, yeah, do the same thing. Support us by getting some of that stuff there. All right, no incept this episode because it has been so long, but we can't go without thanking our amazing team here Woo-hoo! at Command Zone. 
Damon Lenz, Ashlyn Rose, Craig Blanchett, Arthur Meadowcroft, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Sam Waldo, Garav Galati, Jamie Block, Mitch Trafford, and Evan Limberger. And special shout out to Truck Ty, who helps us compile all the research for episodes like these. And big shout out to Jeffrey Palmer, who occasionally does the living card animations behind us here on set, but they do start the show at our website youtube.com slash the command zone podcast you can also find jeffrey online at living cards mtg <laughs> i like how you slipped our website in there yeah yeah thanks susan wojicki it's my website now all right we got two probably two episodes talking about the box toppers because there's so many we've got an episode talking about the uncommon commanders the monocolored commanders and then of course an episode talking about all the cards that go in the year 99 there's a lot of coverage for dominaria united coming up make sure you subscribe and we will see you very soon bye bye peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.